Hello and welcome to the Sin Beef Podcast 103. I am one of your hosts, Gary Hill, and with me as usual is Jamie. Hello. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing okay. That's good. And also with us is Suzanne. Greetings. How are you? Worried about my car. Yeah, I, know. I know you are. I heard about that today. Any news? I haven't heard anything today. Oh. And I'm, I'm terrified. It, I mean, they haven't narrowed down to what it is, but because it's a VW, you know it's going to be expensive. Zoinks. Oh. But that's the Volkswagen. The, Volks, the Volkswagen? The Fachvergnügen. Wagner? No, I'm here. It's the car of the people. It's supposed to be inexpensive and easy to maintain. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I thought, too. (laughs) Well, I mean, I can't argue too much. I mean, I had some work done on it last year and the year before that Pat did. So this is like the first real time it's been in the shop. So I really can't complain. It's a 2006. I think I've done pretty well. Okay, yeah, for sure. I'm just whiny. (laughs) Hey, that's why I I drive a Honda in the Motor City, (laughs) 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 where people look at you funny if you don't drive an American car. But I, uh, I can't help it because they're just so damned reliable and long lasting. Yeah. The, the, like that favorite line in a Detroit Rock City, if you think it'll waste city dollars on a Swedish car, you know? <laughs> <laughs> love that line. And also, that girl that's really hard to maintain, but I love her so. That lovely Iris, how are you? Hi, guys. How y'all doing? Fine, fine, fine. I Man. am doing just peachy because I actually have sun today. I was so excited. Nice. Yeah, we had though. snow yesterday. Yeah, so oh. yeah, I saw yeah. Your <laughs> I woke up in the morning and I was like, "Oh, look at that happy Easter!" <laughs> and I was thinking about how in Georgia, at Easter, you're wearing sundresses and open-toed shoes, and you know, for the first forty or so years of my life, I was never once cold on Easter. Like that was never a thing. And then. Um, it snowed yesterday morning, and then it was about 30 degrees after that, so. Yay! Yeah, I'm waiting for some springtime, but I think it's going to be like it was a few years ago. It's going to be in the 40s and low 50s until July, and then it's going to be 90. Yeah. Oh. Sweaty, sweaty. <laughs> Gotta love Chicago weather. Yes, indeed. We get it all here. You know what was weird is when I got married two years ago, uh, it was May 13th, on the day, okay, the day before, it was torrential downpours and chilly. Like, I'd say probably 40s, 50s. The day of, it was 68 degrees and sunny and beautiful. The day after, it was raining again. And then that Sunday, when I was taking my mom back to the airport, it snowed on the way to the airport. <laughs> my mom was like, what the hell? <laughs> Damn, you cursed union. Damn it. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's pretty much Michigan for you. It's bipolar. See, yes. if, Brian would, if Brian would just watch the Carnosaur trilogy, he'd be a lot, be a lot better weather where you guys are. It would, it would offset all the other stuff. That is that how that works? I think real? so. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, they're like people say around here. If you don't like the weather, just wait a few minutes. Oh yeah. 
Oh, but yeah, we'll start the show the same way we always start the show. And I'll ask da, 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 Jamie, what's she been watching? <laughs> I'm still trying to make it through that damn Nightmare Fuel box set. And turns out, I thought there was only one disc, like that a Braxis would be our final movie. Suck no, there are four discs. Uh. So, 20 movies in this. Nice. And I can't, I just, it's, Brian's like, come on, we need to watch our next movie. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. Like, I really just, I don't want to. But today we watched uh, Into the World, which actually had uh, Christopher in it. It actually had Christopher Lee. And I'm like, oh, well, holy shit, okay. then. <laughs> but it wasn't good. I mean, just because it had Christopher Lee in it doesn't mean anything, obviously. But um, at least we're kind of inching a little bit closer. And I think our next one... Either the next one or the one after that is Driller Killer. So Fine. they actually did manage to stick some horror in this Nightmare Fuel box set. Do you own the Blu-ray of Driller Killer? Because I recommend watching that version run, the shitty version of the Mill Creek disc. Yeah, I want to say, um, I know we got it, but I think he sold it. It looks awful. I hate the movie as it is, as a whole, because I think it's just really boring and tedious and... Again, it might be the prom night thing where I only only ever copy until I saw the Synapse version of it, which is really shitty. And maybe if I watch the, the, the good copy of Driller Killer, I may enjoy it a little bit more. Moron. Oh, there he goes. <laughs> Brian? You guys see that? <laughs> He's just playing his video game. Oh, I can um, hear the clicking. He just called somebody a fucking moron. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's like right, right when I mentioned oh, I he said. He said, jump, you fucking moron. Um, <laughs> when I said I didn't, didn't like Driller Killer much, he's like, moron. I was like, oh, yeah, no. <laughs> no, 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 he doesn't either. That's why he sold the Blu-ray. But um, So we get to watch the Mill Creek version, which you know is always superior. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Although Mill Creek Blues are actually very nice transfers, which pay for them. So there's that. <laughs> and by the way, it makes you say, I read Brian's mini-review of Abraxas on Facebook, and... It makes me kind of happy that, that I, I have a glimpse of hope that Brian likes Abraxas. So he might oh, like yeah, he some other stuff I like. Yeah, he thinks it's fun. Um, he loves the Sven Oleg Thorsten guy, what, whatever the hell his name is. Um, uh, he's been at everything. The, yeah, he likes him, and he thinks it's a fun movie. I just got bored with it. And to me, it was just like it's basically a like a low-rent Terminator. Did, did, did you catch the subtle... <laughs> crossover of the principal in that movie with with, Jane, with James Belushi? Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> that random thing that nobody needed, but it was just there. It's like, yeah, it's the same principal from that movie called The Principal with Lou yeah. Gossett Jr. Uh, so, you know, I mean, it, uh, we've been doing that, basically. I can't think if there's anything actually good we've watched, um, like, you know, just for the heck of it. Uh I don't know. I don't she, think so. She thinks I'm breaking her spirit. You see what she's doing herself, people? You know, with this <laughs> colossal collection stuff? Yeah, Brian, every time he's like, he's like, let's watch our next movie, and I'm like, no. And he's like, this is your fault. Your fault. Let's go. <laughs> and see, he actually doesn't mind these movies. You know, these, like, late 80s crappy action movies. Yeah, Pat loves those, too, so yeah. I definitely understand. Feel my pain. Yeah, he'll I watch those. Any second. I'm like, I'd rather go back to the 50-pack. And he's like, I will watch these movies twice before I will watch another 30s detective movie with a fucking ape. (laughs) 
Who doesn't love that, though? The apes are random, you know? Oh, a couple of years ago for Christmas, I got Pat a couple of, you know, movie packs of sci-fi movies because he loves the cheesy, bad science fiction. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me as he's opening these up. He's like, oh, my God, guess what we're going to do for the next week? And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> Look what you did. I done <laughs> fucked up. Yeah, so that's why I really can't complain because this is my fault. But whatever. <laughs> oh, Iris, what you been watching? Well, besides... Everything that I have to watch for every for the three podcasts I'm on, I got to watch this movie called Crooked House, and it's on uh, Prime, and it has a stellar cast. I mean, you got Glenn Close, Christina Hendricks, Terrence Stamp, Julian Sands, Julian Anderson. Why wouldn't you watch this? And it's an Agatha Christie uh, movie of Crooked House, of course, and it is excellent. I would definitely recommend watching that one. Writing this one down. Oh, cool. Yeah, Brian would be into that, too. We just watched Murder on the Orient Express. I forgot. <gasps> Ooh, that was fun. I, I like that I, one. I know you didn't, Suzanne. <laughs> I like parts of it. I really did, but Kenneth Branagh was just a little over the top for me. I thought he was fun, and and I was more surprised that Johnny Depp didn't get on my nerves. So, for I mean, thankfully he got killed before he got much of a chance to. But um, his mustache was the star of the show. Branagh's mustache in that movie. Yeah, that thing was, was epic. That <laughs> <laughs> he even had his sleeping gear, which to keep it in place, which I thought was phenomenal. I thought that was a great cast. I had fun with that. I really wish it did better. It just, you know, because it didn't really do very well. Yeah, the cast was great. Like I said, I just thought Kenneth Branagh, you almost needed subtitles when he would start really going. And also, I really think I'm going to watch it again because I was I was sick with the flu when I watched it the first time. So that could have that could have had a lot to do with my feelings at the time. I thought it was pretty fun. And uh, Jamie, I'm with you. I'm surprised that Johnny Depp didn't get on my nerves. <laughs> well, it's just, and I used to like him fine, but in recent years, he's just become so. Uh, well, it's the same part for everything he does. Yeah. He's become a caricature of himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Caricature is what I was trying to think of. And Brian's just like, oh, here he is again, playing a goofball in a silly hat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean Tonto for for that uh, disparaging thing uh, called the Lone Ranger. Tonto was just Jack Sparrow. Um, yeah, it was just just Jack Sparrow. <laughs> Honestly, we didn't even finish that film, which makes me sad because I wanted to see Lone Ranger, but I couldn't even stand watching because he was on my nerves so much. I was like, I can't, <laughs> I can't do it. I can't. And I liked. Was it? Is it Arlie Ermin? I mean, Arlie Army. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> Ar- was it Army Hammer that played the Lone Ranger, yes, or was it? We discussed okay. this, uh, I think, two episodes ago, if I yeah. remember correctly, in the editing. I like him, so I was kind of excited about that, and now it didn't work out. The, the, oh, yeah. the Vinkovai, indeed, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, have you seen the Lone Ranger movie from 1981? I don't think I have, which is oh, unusual. That's called... The Legend of the Lone Ranger, and I 
Definitely recommend that one. I had a huge crush on the Lone Ranger when I was a kid. I used to watch the TV show every day. I had a thing about guys in masks. (laughs) Oh, my. I don't know. I still kind of do. Yeah, I was about uh, to say. (laughs) I bet you uh, still kind of (laughs) do. I do. Uh, But I had a huge crush on him. And I love that TV show. So I will have to check out the movie. Yeah, it's and it's a real cutie of a guy that plays the Lone Ranger. Um, he wasn't in much, but the guy's name is Clinton Spilsbury, and um, he was actually from Mexico. So he's a good-looking dude. Um, but the other movie I watched <clears throat> called Aliens, A Zone of Silence. Oh, my God. I don't know why I sat down to watch this movie. Maybe just to give me perspective of another movie that I was going to be watching. For BBNBC. Um, and oh my god. This was like, yeah, this is going to go on my top five worst movies for this year. Oh, and uh, wait, what's a year? What year is it from? To 2017. Oh, shit. So it's a new one. Okay. Oh, yeah, it's a new one. It's a new one. And it's, god damn it, it's fucking found footage. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's about this gal who uh, her brother and his best friend. Um, go into this place called the Zone of Silence, which is Mexico's Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. And uh, basically, they disappear. So she goes in there, and she is... Oh, my gosh. She's got, like, all these cameras, and this guy... It, it's kind of like, you know how the in Aliens, <coughs> the real Aliens, um, how all the Marines had all these cameras and stuff? Well, she went in there kind of like that. She had these cameras, and... HD something who else and I don't know just really stupid she's walking around with all these cameras and something who else (laughs) (laughs) god well anyway apparently she does end up finding that it was aliens that abducted her brother and her friend and it just turned really stupid and the ending this is the kind of ending that um, I think this was written by uh, maybe a fourth grader who got bored about his story and just said the end Mm. because that's exactly how it ends sounds like the bad version of phoenix forgotten um you know i haven't seen that but if it was a bad version yeah because wow did it it, yeah yeah and because of this movie i scored the movie that i watched for bbnbc a lot higher oh yeah because i had something to compare it to always remember all of a sudden, make you watch Iris. Michael made you watch Weasels Eat My Flesh. Okay. Hey, okay, that was <laughs> fun though. <laughs> oh, that was a great movie. Weasels rip my flesh, but you know what? It, it's a shift movie, and goddamn, <laughs> I'm just gonna say that. That's okay. But yeah, that's all I've been watching. Fair enough, Suzanne. Well, I've been all over the place. I finally watched the first episode of Trust, and I absolutely loved it. Donald Sutherland was so good; is so good as this. The elder J. Paul Getty, the cast, fantastic. It just never ceased to amaze me how anybody with that much money could. They they, they just are fucking nuts and penny pinchers. So it's starting off good. I really. It's basically about his grandson getting kidnapped and he refused to pay the ransom because he thought it was a ploy to get money. So, like I said, I'm one episode in. I want to see how factual they play it out because this has always been like one of my favorite 
odd topics to read about was how crazy the the Getty family was. And it's kind of revisited a lot of classics. Uh, well, not really classics, but watched Fatal Games, which is a fairly underrated, decent slasher. Love it. I love that movie. I really enjoyed it. Was the ending actually kind of surprised me a little bit. The only thing is I always wished they had utilized more sports equipment, um, like mixed it up a little bit. Yeah, I, was I think that would have been cool. Or at least, you know, maybe made a, a kebab or something. Ah, kind of like yeah. in Pandemonium. Yeah. Oh, I love that movie. Um, yeah, but I think it's really fun, and it doesn't get talked about a lot. But it's really because it never got a good release. Yeah. You know, it's hard to find. This is the stuff Scream Factory should be going after. They could yes. probably get it for, like, next to nothing. Brian has been occasionally, like, places will write him and go, do you have suggestions for whatever? And he's been pushing for Fatal Games for years. and Or he'll just randomly tweet at, like, Scream Factory or whatever, like, uh, don't forget this movie. I don't know why they won't. Somebody won't move forward with it. You know, there are a lot of really good distributors out there who could do good stuff but maybe there's something maybe there's some kind of rights issue or something that is keeping people from putting it out but yeah i I only have ever been able to find a crappy vhs copy so yeah i was kind of surprised i because i had talked to somebody i can't remember i think it was at code red about why they'd never gotten around to you know putting out a copy of demon wind Demon Wind is not a good movie. I know it's not a good movie, but it's one of those movies that I just really enjoy. So I was really surprised when I saw Vincent put it out. And it looks great. Yeah, it does. It, it, um, we got that. It looks beautiful to be such a bad movie. But <laughs> I actually paid extra for the lenticular cover. Um. I, I just, I had to have it because I really like this movie. I think more than anybody should like this movie. Well, there's a couple I want to get. Vinegar Syndrome is putting out Bloodhook. And if you don't know what that movie is, it's a trauma film, but you know, they're putting a lot of love in these. I hope they put out like the first turn on and stuff like that in like really nice versions. But um, it's a film about a guy, a killer, who has a giant fishing lure he uses to bait his victims. And it's like, wow, this is a giant fishing lure. And a film like this shouldn't work, but it's so stupid, it's hilarious. You know. Eh, sounds fun. Uh, it, it is. It really is. And Vinegar Syndrome does beautiful work, too. I remember when they put out uh, Christmas Evil, uh, they had this. It was really fun because they put in all the because when that movie screened originally, they had comment cards mm-hmm. in the lobby. And so people filled out the comment cards. They actually put um, like a little slideshow of the comments on the Blu-ray release. And then Vinegar Syndrome, when they first released it, had a contest for like the first however many people. If you went through the um, if you went through the comment cards, and then I can't remember if I had to answer questions or if I just had to. It was some way to basically prove that you went through. I forget what I had to do, but anyway, then you got a like a coupon code for like ten or fifteen percent off your next order. That's fun. You know, I think that's really fun. So, plus it looked beautiful. Like, the uh, the transfer, they always do such a great job. I own one or two. I see the Severn table at cons a lot more than I see Vinegar Syndrome. So, I tend to own Well, Vinegar Syndrome is mostly, like, softcore 
stuff. Like I've seen they, that, yes. Yeah. Um they it's rare that they'll put out a horror title and when they do I'm all over it because it's always, you know, it's always amazing, but I wish they did more. Yeah, yeah Vinegar Syndrome is more movies for, like, stuff that I watch, like exploitation and coat grindhouse stuff. Which, which one put out Candy Tangerine, man? I actually own that one. I think that's Vinegar Syndrome. Okay. Yeah, there were seven, one of the two. I bought it off one of their tables. <laughs> yeah, uh, so revisited. We are still here. Or probably the eighth or ninth time. I just can't seem to get enough of that movie. It just reminds me so much of House by the Cemetery. Oh, and I, just I can see re- that. I just really enjoy that movie a lot. It There's a few scenes that I actually will still jump. And I'm, I'm just going to move through my list. Actually, there's only like two more anyway. Uh, watched Blood Rain kind of on a watch together with the guys <laughs> and Tanya from the Horror Mafia podcast. Yes. We have a new drinking game now. Whenever Uve does a flashback, take a drink. I never watched Blood Rain. I, was, I just kept hearing how bad it was, so I never watched it. I was actually... I, I, okay, it's Uve Bowl. So, like, a three is like a ten. Right. And I... Gave it like two stars. Is that the 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 Nazi fighting vampire? Yes. Okay. And finally, I capped off my weekend with Nighthawks, which is <gasps> one nice. of my. I have two number one favorite action movies: Nighthawks and To Live and Die in L.A. There is no one or two. They are both my favorite action movie of all time ever. Nighthawks, I like because it's. I mean, I like them both, but. Sylvester Stallone could not have been any more perfect. A little bit kind of droll in the acting style, but it was it's still just everything was so good. I was supposed to be on the episode when you guys did that, but I had something come up and I couldn't make it. Oh, that sucks considering how much you love it. Uh, yeah, I even watched Money Train for that. That's uh, two hours of my life I'm never getting back. <laughs> Thanks, Gary. Oh, you're right. welcome. One of the only films I apologized for, but you're welcome, okay? <laughs> Nighthawks is my favorite Stallone period. I I think he looked so good in that movie. Oh, yeah, the beard. The beard, yes. The glasses. Yes. And Billy D. Williams and Rutger Hauer. And the, in the end of that movie, I love it. Oh, it's it's a fantastic movie. And that's pretty much what I watched over the week. I made a list this time. <laughs> Nice, nice, nice. What did I watch? I didn't mention this last time. But I watched uh, Watchmen, the ultimate cut. I, I, lo- I love Watchmen. And I realize that uh, people say, and I read the, I read the graphic novel too, and it does stray f- from the graphic novel in, in a couple little senses, but I still have a lot of fun with it. I love that Stephen McCaddy shows up in it. We'll probably never do this on the show. We, we might, though. It's a really long movie, though. This is the one that includes um, the Black Freighter uh, animated film. In context with the film, so it's it's they put scenes from it. The, the scenes, the whole thing is in there, but they put they 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 litter the scenes from the 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 the, the cartoon into the movie. And um, yeah, Stephen McCaddy is uh, the old night owl is uh really great. I, I really love uh. There's a lot of films that do that slow motion fighting things, but I think this works to this film's advantage. At least Zack Snyder film I really like is this movie. Because that opening scene where the comedian is getting killed by, you know, 
spoil, I don't want to spoil if you've never seen it before, but somebody who's a pretty prevalent character in the film, obviously, who kills him, but it's one of the most brutal things I've ever seen in my life. He's just being smashed through counters and thrown through glass windows, and this is Jeffrey Dean fucking Morgan, and, uh, <laughs> who dies in everything, and unfortunately his, uh, stuff gets sold out so so much at conventions that I probably won't meet him anytime soon, but I would love to ask him, how can, how can, how can, how's it feel to die more than Sean Bean and things? Because he dies a lot in things, and... Well, he won't fucking die in The Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> there is that, yeah. Oh. If that's real good, if you have three and a half hours of time to spend on it, because that's how long it is, it's a really long version of that movie that's already pretty long. Uh, what else? Yeah, Pat and I are planning on watching it, but we're going to wait till we're hungover and lethargic. <laughs> okay. Uh, I've been rewatching Weeds, because it's there, and I never finished it. And uh, su- surprisingly enough, Mary Louise Parker is still pretty good looking in that show, and she's still gets me going pretty well, and uh, I'm not ashamed to say that. Um, what, what else? Um, there's not a ton that I watched. I watched Children of the Corn, uh, part four. I forget. Uh, this whole thing is called The Gathering, which uh, stars Karen Black in, in a nothing role. She, she's collected a, a very small paycheck for this film, I'm sure, and uh, a young Naomi Watts. And um, I'm going to go through these, because I think, I think they're, they're, they're beneficial to, to my soul because I think they're really entertaining and really underlooked like I said on the last episode and uh, I'm going to continue this this Chills of the Corn journey for uh, good reasons oh, other stuff other stuff I'm terrible with this oh I, I, I went to the pawn shop and I I uh, I go occasionally at, at their, their pickings for the movies and yeah, they have the Changeling on DVD for a dollar that's that's out of print for nice. long, out of print for a long long time. I imagine it goes for much more than a dollar on like eBay and stuff. Are you kidding me? Cool. So I watched that and it's still pretty good. You know, we, we reviewed it long ago. Me, Jamie, and uh, Brian and uh, yeah, was, I really dig that movie. It was a redemption it's... film for me. I didn't like it so much at first, but I liked it a lot more on another Damn viewing. There he goes again. Damn it! Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> it, it's in my my top five favorite movies of all time. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, I was just thinking it's funny every time you say something is when he, <laughs> it's when he has a comment. It's, it's, just, it's, it sounds appropriate. It adds something to the to, to the program, I think, and I'm I'm, I'm kind of loving it, you know. And I paused too. <laughs> Damn it! Oh, <laughs> uh, that's uh pretty much about all I'm watching. I've been, Easter kind of slowed me down. I forgot the oh yeah, I forgot to mention one because it's the Easter tradition for me. I watch Critters too, the 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 main course, because that's an Easter tradition for me. Like the Ten Commandments and some other films are traditions to others. I like watching the Easter Bunny is his, his belly hollowed out by critters, and that's uh, a <laughs> that's something I watch every Easter. So there's there's that. Yeah. You know what's um, funny is the podcast on Haunted Hill for the past four years have been going through their Easter special has been critters want critters and then alien and then critters two and aliens. And then, so this year they did critters four and alien resurrection. You know, I don't, it's really eggs. strange that the yeah, eggs, yes, <laughs> that they paired it with the alien franchise. Cause a, critters four is essentially an alien ripoff. If you watch it from, from that yeah. perspective, you know, and it's not really a bad one either. I don't think it's got Brad Dorf in there. I was uh, gonna say, well, what's funny is that Alien Resurrection and Critters Four both have Brad Dorf. 
Yes, they do. <laughs> so that was kind of a weird little crossover thing. Angela Bassett's in Critters 4 as well. I'm not sure that's something she puts high on her, her acting list, but I thought she was pretty decent in it, you know. Um, yeah, that's it for me. That's Critters 4, important. Easter Sunday. Yeah. We're on to a special seg- segment of the sh- section. Segment of the show, uh, where we talk shit. And the beef bitches and mashed potatoes. Okay, who gets the barley uh, beef? I ordered barbecue beef. I think that's mine, but I didn't know the price. Who gets the barbecue beef? Mine's the Duke Deluxe. Okay, who gets the barley beef? I heard that. Jamie, what's your beef girl? Well, you know what? I don't have a beef. This week, uh, on it, I'm just, I've been, the last couple weeks, I've been kind of riding high. I do, however, I want, it's kind of neat. I want to go the opposite direction. Fair enough. Because this is just a really cool thing that happened. Earlier, when we were watching Gleaming the Cube, um, which is about as 80s as you want to ever get. I mean, it's just, I'll go into that more when we actually talk about the movie. But uh, while we're watching that movie, somebody, like, pulled up outside the outside the house and Brian goes, Hey, you like Girl Scout cookies? And I was like, duh, of course I do. And he's like, well then get your butt to the door. And I was like, what? And so he jumped up and went to the door. There was a Girl Scout who was actually selling Girl Scout cookies door to door. I have, I haven't seen it in probably 35 years. And uh, he bought two boxes from her. And I was like, look at you. He's like, I have a heart. Um, <laughs> but uh, this year, I hadn't had any Girl Scout cookies because I don't know anyone who sells them this year. And I was like, oh, well, I, got, you know, I didn't get any. And then I'll be damned if they didn't come to my door, which it just, to me, that just seemed kind of perfect that it happened when I was watching the particular movie that I watched. I was already in this very, I don't know, this 80s state of mind and to have a Girl Scout actually come up to the door and sell Girl Scout cookies, I was like, that is cool. So, I don't know, that just that made me happy. It was a simple little thing, but it, she was wearing her little uniform. It was so cute. Aww. <laughs> I was like, good on them. I hope they remember our house next year. <laughs> <laughs> See, that lady that bought $100, where did she live? <laughs> And he's like, what do you like? And I'm like, Samoa. Oh, naturally, yes. <laughs> and there is works. only one choice. <laughs> and he got Thin Mints. So, oh, he's one of those. Um, well, mints. he actually turns out, because yeah, he doesn't he doesn't know really anything about Girl Scout cookies. So when, um, uh, but he likes mint chocolate, you know. So I was like, well, try some Thin Mints then. So then, but I think he likes the Samoas better than the Thin Mints. And I'm oh, like, yeah. that's because well, they're the best. Nudie tried to tell me that Keebler and they they did they may try to make their own version of the of the Samoa. Yeah, they suck. Yes, they are not the same. <laughs> but I think Edie's, no, I think Edie, I think Edie's one year made Samoa ice cream, which yes. is the tits, and uh, haven't seen it, it since. Was, uh, some candy bar company put out. I don't know if it was last year, or the year before, like little tiny candy bars that were Girl Scout cookie. Inspired. I forget yeah, I who did it though, but like those a were not thin bad. Mint one. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was Hershey's. Hershey's. Was it? Good. Okay. Yeah, those were pretty good. Clover Valley, the Dollar General brand, has their own version of Girl Scout cookies, and it's not the same. 
I mean, if you're really dying for a Girl Scout cookie and and it's, you know, October or something and you've pillaged your freezer already, then um, I guess it'll do in a pinch, but it's not the same. Yeah, there's already somebody at my job whose who's granddaughter is selling Girl Scout cookies, so I usually spend a good 40, 50 bucks just, just on my own Girl Scout stash with those... Uh, those tag-alongs and those shortbread cookies and, uh, what else? Um, yeah, the Samoas, of course. And not much else. Those are, like, my three jams. The, the tag-alongs, the, the um, uh, trefoils, and, and the Samoas. Yeah. Those are <laughs> I always wondered who the hell ate trefoils. That's well, like an anti-cookie. They're, 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 they're just shortbread cookies, but it's just shortbread. It tastes a little. Better. I know. I'm not. I don't want to pay four dollars a box for shortbread cookies. True. True. <laughs> I want something special. Oh, Iris, do you have a beef girl? You got something you're uh, you're grateful for too, as well. Um, not a beef, but more of a yay. Um, because I have a loud dog for one. Yeah. Um, no, uh, basically I, at work, well, I, I think I, I told you guys about the, about, uh, you know, being, uh, asked to be a lead at that, uh, at that four day clinic that, that, uh, Seattle has. And I am just totally stoked about that because see, I've been uh, doing that for four years now and, uh, for them to go and reach out and say, Hey, you know, you want to be a lead for the interpreters? And I'm like, fuck yeah <laughs> so that's gonna be fun and I'm just happy and grateful that you know um, <clears throat> you know hard work gets recognized and that's kind of cool that's great man I'm, 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 it's great Iris I'm happy for you I say great man you know like you're one of the fellas you know <laughs> yeah well <laughs> yeah, congratulations that's really cool I'm very yeah happy. I was really happy about that I was I was really stoked so you that was such my things that was my happy moment. <laughs> well, you know what? That's how I was raised. Um, my parents are the same way, and uh, my kids are the same way because I raised them. You know, they saw me do it. I saw my parents do it. So, you know, it's it's just the way you're raised, I think, and something that's kind of lacking sometimes in some people. But, you know, there you go. Suzanne, what you got? Well, I, I kind of had my bitch about my car but today would have been my father's 83rd birthday oh wow and and i kind of have to chuckle a little bit because since he passed away it seems like on his birthday every year there's something wrong with my car Eh, (laughs) should have bought that foreign job there sue yeah, well, the car I had before, um, they pretty much, it, my dad had two cars. His girlfriend got one. I got the beater, which I loved to death. It was a 1991 Ford Pro. And it just seemed like on his birthday every year, um, the car would be in the shop or something would go wrong with it. And that tradition continues through the Jetta. That's kind of sweet. It's like he's thinking of me. By yeah. breaking my car. He's always <laughs> with you. Oh, and, you know, I thought about it this afternoon, and as stressed out as I am about it, I actually just had to laugh. Yeah. That's funny. Good smile with that. I was like, couldn't you, couldn't you think of a less expensive way to honor me, Dad? Yeah. <laughs> Other than breaking my damn car. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it's it sounds morbid and sad, but it's it's it it makes me chuckle. I can't wait for next year. <laughs> <laughs> oh me, I don't, I don't have much of, much of a beef. I, I have Easter. I'm glad that's over with. That's a beef, I guess, because me and holidays don't mesh well. There was a little too much going on in my house, and on Easter Sunday we had like six little kids over, and two of which Suzanne will meet when we go to Heroes and Villains. Because they're, they're well, they're good kids. They're, they're just when they're all together, they're like like uh, Mentos in a Diet Coke bottle. You know, it's just a little wild. <laughs> you know? So I left the house and I didn't eat. I didn't eat anything that they made. But uh, lucky for me, there's a taco place that's pretty good, like a block away from my house. And I went and sat down and ate there. So it was it was a good Easter Sunday in that that respect. So uh, fuck Easter, getting on my nerves. Uh, Fuck new, new editing t- techniques that I'm trying out and failing. That's why that one episode's so late. They're all, they're all late because of the damn move, and I apologize for that. But, um, beefing. That'd be something more positive. Um, I'm glad Arnie made it through open heart surgery because people uh, talk about Schwarzenegger like, oh, it's politics. I was like, dude, commando. It's bigger than all of us. That's all I'm saying. You know, it's. it's... Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, he, Arnie uh, had an unexpected. Heart attack. He had to have emergency open heart surgery, but you know what? He made it through, like the fucking champion he is, and he's there to live to, to make more movies for us all. So, yeah, and I kind of like old Arnie doing old mo- old man movies. Uh, I thought the Last Stand was really good. I, I actually that enjoyed too. that too. Yeah, I, I saw it in the theater. I had a great time with it. And uh, people give that movie shit, and I I, I like it. I don't know I, why. I, I don't get. It's a great movie. Yeah. And that one, this um, has one of my favorite villains in it. And mm. um, I want to say that was one that I watched with John Cross. Could be. Oh, and I, uh, that one, the new one he's in, uh, well, one of the, he does this thing where he's putting a lot of stuff, like, out to video. Kill, Killing Gunther is a fun movie he's in. Watch that one. I, I uh, watched that, like, a couple weeks back and uh, had a good time with that. Um, yeah, no more beefs, really. Uh, we'll get to the... Mm-hmm. Get to the meat of the show, if you will, which is uh, three films, so in a show entitled They Died With Their Skates On. I'll say them in the order we're going to do them, so uh, it's Gleaming the Cube, Solar Babies, and Rollerball are the subjects of these, this episode, at, which you guys voted on long ago. It's a long time ago. I want to say, like, last August or something ridiculous. It was a long time ago. And, um... <sighs> Suzanne wants all your names, apparently, because she, uh, she hates you guys that much for voting for two, at least two of these movies. And uh, <laughs> It could have been Prayer of the Roller Boys, Suzanne, if that, that's, your, that's your thing. Oh, God, I, I guess I should be happy with what I got. Christopher Collette from um, Sleepaway Camp and the Manhattan Project is a heavy in that movie. It's not very believable, but they have long coats in that movie, just swaying in the dust and the wind. So there is that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, like I said, we're starting with Gleaming the Cube. And you will hear our review of that right after this. In a world gone mad. As you know, the doomsday clock is a symbolic clock face analogizing humankind's proximity to extinction. One man must fight to survive on the global junkie of the future. You maniac! You blew it up! Oh, 
God damn you! God damn you all to hell! Which versus the Doomsday Clock is that man's story. His search for entertainment is transmitted across time and space for your listening pleasure on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and your Android device. This podcast is not fit for human consumption. Side effects include laughter, concern, nausea, vomiting, and blame for more artifices. The producers accept our responsibility for any side effects, illness, or death prank mind cause. My effect guarantee is worth nothing. Zero, zip, zip, uh, I roll, no sausage. In short, you get nothing. Nothing. Good day, sir. Christian Slater of Tucker and Heathers stars with Stephen Bauer from FIFA Parts and Richard Hurd of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles in Gleaming the Cube. Brian Kelly didn't care for the way adults ran things. Adults are predictable. They're living under this illusion that life as we know it is going to continue forever. And he didn't care for the direction the world was heading. I don't know what's worse, you know? Being blown up in a nuclear war, having a 7-Eleven on every corner. In fact, there were only two things that Brian did care for. His skateboard and his brother. Trump away. Got a B plus in calculus. Then one day his brother died. Was an accident. And Brian's skateboard became his weapon in a deadly game of international smuggling, murder, and revenge. No one knows anything except a kid on a skateboard. Killed my brother not listening to you. You're the one who's not listening. When getting even means risking it all. Gleaming the Cube. Gleaming the Cube from 1989. Uh, plot synopsis is this. Brian's adopted brother is killed when he discovers that, that the shop he works in sends weapons to Vietnam instead of medications. To the police it looks like suicide, but Brian knows better, so he skates off to investigate the murder himself. Uh, the stars... Christian Slater as Brian, uh, Stephen Bauer as uh, D- Detective Lucero, uh, Richard Hurd, who I know from V and probably some other stuff, as Mr. Londale, Lee Kwan as Colonel Track, uh, Ed Lauder, who I've seen a bunch of stuff, I think he passed away like last year, plays Brian's dead, and Peter Kwong, who, if you don't know the name, you've seen him and stuff. He was in Big Trouble in Little China as one of the storms. He was. He uh, was Rain. He was Rain. Yeah, and he was also. Wasn't he the bad guy in Karate Kid Part Two? The the. Was that the same guy? I don't recall. I think it was though. I think so. Um, the girl was also in Big Trouble in Little China. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes, she was. Yes. And she only did three movies, <laughs> and uh, this and Big Trouble are two of them. Girl with green eyes. Yes, indeed. Okay, Peter Kwong was also in Never Too Young to Die as well, so there's that. <laughs> uh, Charles Cyphers, who, you know who that is. That's the John Carpenter staple right there. Every John... Oh, wow, you know what? That's a lot of John Carpenter connections. Yes. Yeah, I noticed that when I was watching it. Um, but yeah, Charles Cyphers is... That's such, We just call him that guy who's in every John Carpenter movie ever. That's okay. <laughs> well, when I met him, I told him I love the Carpenter stuff, but I love Major League even more. So there is that, you know. I do love Major League. 
Oh, and, and how can I not mention the entire Bones Brigade skate team shows up in this movie, and uh, that makes me happy to know one. That's 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 the selling point for this movie, and uh, oh, and Max Perlick, who who you guys may have seen in a lot of stuff, he plays uh, his buddy with the Cool Room, and the in the in the, the half pipe in his basement. Uh, Yabo. Yeah, that's that's the one I call <laughs> kid who's in every teen movie ever. Um, he, he is in a lot of them. He's like, can't buy me love. Can't buy me love. Yes. Um, I mean, just if you if there was a teen movie back at back in the day, he was in it, and he was guaranteed to have the same haircut every time. Yes. Also, Tony Hawk. Oh, yes, that's 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 part of that Bones Brigade. Oh yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all in there. Well, he was like twenty one. Yeah, I think younger because they started that team pretty when they were pretty young. He he was doing competitions at like fourteen or something. Oh, I know, but I mean, he was like twenty one when this movie came out. Yeah. Delivering the pies. Good job, Birdman. Bringing that pizza at the folks. If I'm going to ask Iris first what she thought of the movie. <laughs> Maybe Jamie first. Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I was really excited to watch this one. I saw this when it came out in the theater. And um, I've seen it one other time since then, prior to this. And... This was like during the Christian Slater heyday. I was a Christian Slater fan, even though he was exactly the same in every movie ever. I that's probably what I liked about him at the time because you could always count on him to be the same guy every time. The first time I watched it, I really liked it. The second time I watched it, I thought, "Man, I wish they hadn't tried so hard to shoe in to shoe in to shoehorn in this whole like murder plot thing." <laughs> that really took away from the skating. And this time I I felt the same. Like I wanted it to be, I guess they were kind of going for like a point break balance, but I don't think they really achieved that. Even though this is pre point break, isn't it? Wasn't, wasn't point break like 91 Mm -hmm. or something. Yeah. Later on. So this is actually pre point break, but I feel like point break did it better. You know, where they worked in the, uh, they worked in the surfing along with the whole crime thing. And uh, what's funny is that Yabo even reminds me of, like, Bodhi with his whole, <laughs> like, you know, and you're in gleaming the cube, man. It's where you skate when you're really free. Uh, unfortunately, I just don't feel like they put enough skating in the film. I, the parts where they did, I thought, you know, that was great and it was fun. And, man, this took me back. Like, in the first five minutes of this movie... It is. It establishes itself as so freaking '80s. You can't even stand it when they're in the air. When they're when they're in the airplane, and the kid looks out the window and he goes, "There's my mom's house and there's my dad's house," and then the other kid's like, "Hey, there's my Pizza Hut." I'm like, right there. That's all you need to know about the '80s, right there. <laughs> Everyone's parents were divorced, and we all had Pizza Hut. That was <laughs> that sums it up right then. Um, but. It just, when we had those teen moments, I thought it was great. Like, I'm just, I loved the fashion. I loved the the bits during the high school, which I thought it looked really familiar. Like, it was, I kind of thought it was the same high school from, like, Encino Man. But I looked it up, and it's, according to this high school, this is the only movie that was filmed there. So, I don't know. Um, But it reminded me of that. But I enjoyed the high school setting. I love the fact that the motel where his brother 
quote unquote committed suicide is right next door to Disneyland. I mean, right next door. You see the Disneyland sign when we're looking at the exterior of the motel. And I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, how expensive would that place be right now for it to be like a little seedy motel at the time? <laughs> um, but it was just, it's, I always love watching um, California movies from the 80s and like looking at all the different settings and stuff. And at the point, at this point, I had never been to California. Like I, I didn't have a personal tie to California at all. Um, I have since been many times, but at, like back when this came out, I didn't have a clue. But there's something about it I always loved. I always loved movies that took place in the Valley. I always loved movies that took place in Orange County. And uh, just, I don't know, there was something about the aesthetic of it. So I loved it. I loved the, the very Teen Wolf-esque soundtrack. And I kept asking Brian, I'm like, why does that sound so familiar? He's like, because you've seen it in every action, you've heard it in every action movie from the 80s you've ever watched. I'm like, oh, yeah. Uh, but it was it specifically reminded me of Teen Wolf, so much so that I looked up the composer to see if he was the same, and he's not. But it was very, very similar. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just... Uh, I, oh, I also love in movies when there is apparently one cop who does everything. <laughs> so we have Lu Lucero is the only cop in all of Orange County because he handles skateboard accidents and homicides and arson. <laughs> and if anything goes down, he's going to be there because he's apparently the only cop there is. You know, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just I still manage to have fun with it, even though I think the whole uh, murder plot was a little... It felt a little forced, and it took away from the skating. But even with all of that, I still managed to have a lot of fun with it. So I enjoyed watching it again. I was happy to go back to it. Yeah, that's nice. Iris, you back with us, girl. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, so gleaming the cube. First of all, let me say this was my youth. Um, granted, it was... Um, you know, filmed in 1989, well, dropped out in 1989, but um, in the early 80s when I was in junior high and high school, this is what we did. This was us. We skateboarded everywhere. We were always into everything. We were sketching. We were doing all kinds of stuff. And just watching this movie took me back to high school, um, you know, just you know, having the season pass to Disneyland in the summer because it was cheaper for my dad that way instead of buying me, you know, a ticket every day I wanted to go. Um, you know, just seeing a lot of that stuff. And that um, hotel, by the way, Jamie, is no longer there because they... Um, I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. Basically, they knocked it down to put in California Adventures. Ah. Uh, but, yeah, it just seeing this whole thing just made me think of high school and how you know just what a bunch of punks we were <laughs> um, but uh, movie wise I don't know uh, Christian Slater at the time he was just in everything and like you said he did play that same person all the time but it was kind of fun to watch and to think that you know maybe a buddy of mine um, needed help and all of us skater punks would get together and you know, go help him somehow. 
I love that shot uh, on the highway where, like, you see them come over the crest of the hill, and it's like all the yeah. skaters, and then the Pizza Hut truck right in the middle. There's something about that that just kind of, I don't know, it makes me swell. It's so. It was so very. Sweet. <laughs> to me, it reminds me of uh, in um, the Road Warrior when yes. all the bad people, they all come out over the crest, and 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 you're like, oh shit. <laughs> But um, yeah, no, it, it was a great movie. I'm um, watching it again. Cause I got to see this in the movie theater and watching it again as a 50 plus year old almost. Um, it was still fun. And like I said, you know, it, it took me back to high school. But a lot of the a lot of the, the stuff that was going on, like uh, some of the, the skating and stuff, I was like, oh, you know, the. Yeah, you could do that, but that was so impossible. And then you have to think of, you know, it's Tony Hawk and uh, Tommy Guerrero. So, yeah, these guys are just amazing. You know, the people that I've seen in, uh, you know, doing the, the extreme uh, skateboarding and all that. So um, it was fun. Um, the music, <laughs> again, very 80s. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I had fun with it. It was it was good, and actually, kind of, it was kind of nice to see it again. Yeah. I have to say, you know. So yeah, whoever said throw this one on, thank you, because it was kind of like revisiting my youth. <laughs> I want to say Guerrero got pay, got paid like five hundred dollars a day. I think it was him. Got paid five hundred dollars a day to keep to teach Christian Slater how to skate. Dude, I could have done that. Sweet. That's pretty sweet for 1989, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. I could have taught him how to do that. <laughs> yeah, because he still had uh, two guys, and I think Guerrero was one of them, or maybe, I think he was, uh, two guys who did his, did like, his stunts. actual stunts. So uh, all he had to really learn how to do was coast. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah, no, that's exactly all he needs to do because, um, especially when we're coming down that hill, if you noticed how some of them were skipping and hopping and kind of like coming down, that that was basically how you kind of braked yourself as you were coming down something like that. Because yes, I have done that and um, almost busted my teeth out. But it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. And and, uh, and how can you forget the the Corvette? You know, he's there. He is. He's sketching and and he's. Hanging out to a Corvette that's going like what 45, 50, 60 miles an hour, and I'm like, dude, those wheels would have been gone so long ago. It's hey, not even funny. Yeah, I asked wheels, my husband okay? about that. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he that yeah. he built that deck especially for this purpose, so you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I was never good at I'm gonna just full disclosure, I was never good at skateboarding ever. Like, I hurt myself a lot. I, however, always had crushes on the skater punks. Like I, I loved the skater punk. I loved um. everything. <laughs> <laughs> I loved everything about them. I loved their whole. I just, I don't know. I, I loved just everything about the who they were and how they were, and uh, it was very appealing. I just could never do it myself because I just am not. I'm like his mom hmm. in this movie. <laughs> You know how clumsy I am, so you know, yeah, I, I love watching you skate. <laughs> yeah. well, I did okay. like that when she's like, "I love watching you skate." I'm like, "Yeah, I'd love it too." Can we have some more of that, please? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, I tell you what, it was lots of fun, and like I said, it was just that was my youth, you know, skating around on our skateboards and just being a bunch of punks all over the place. And 
it was a fun revisit, so thank you. Cool, cool, cool. Suzanne, lay it on us, girl. Oh, actually, this was a first-time watch for me. I By that point, I was just, I was kind of over Christian Slater, and I really just wasn't into, like, the teen movies anymore. So I passed on this when it first came out. And I have to admit, I actually genuinely like this movie a lot. I was, I really wanted more Ed Lauder, just because I really like him. But I did enjoy the movie. I did feel that I mean, the second the kid was going through the books, I'm like, I looked at my husband, I'm like, okay, so uh, he's going to do some investigating, then he's going to get killed, and then everyone's going to mobilize, right? So that's pretty much what happened. You'd think you've seen an 80s movie before. (laughs) I know, you'd think. (laughs) But I really, really like seeing Tony Hawk, but I just don't understand why they had him driving and not skating. Why was he driving the Pizza Hut truck? Shouldn't they have cast somebody else to drive the Pizza Hut truck? Because he was busy skating for Christian Slater. Yes, without him, you would not have the Pizza Hut truck, and that's that was important in the plot, you know. Yeah, you had to have the Pizza Hut truck. Yes, but yeah, I read. I remember it, it was. It, it really was kind of a throwback to being a teenager, and. I, I just it's one of those movies I, I kinda wish I had pulled the trigger back then and watched it. But I really I really liked it. I can't there's really not a whole lot more I can add to that. But yeah, I enjoyed it. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean this is what you I'm, thought, oh, I'm sorry. I said you thought that was gonna go the other way, didn't you? Yes I did from your complaints on Facebook. Yes I did. Yeah. <laughs> uh be myself. I, I enjoy the hell of it. I, I seen it on, on cable a bunch and um it's a staple from childhood that carries over today. Mostly because the Bones Brigade. I was a big fan of that, that skate team, you know, 'cause I, I was I was like I was like Christian Slater's mom. But my, my equilibrium was off, so I never learned how to ride a bike or, or do anything like that. So watching those guys skate was uh something to behold for me and uh it's, it was it was really special because this, 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 they had this film and they had Police Academy Four that they were showcased in, but this film obviously they had more of them in it. Um, if you guys didn't know what the Bones Brigade were, they were the skate team that Stacy Peralta, who was in the Z Boys for for Venice Beach, created after he was done with the Z Boys. And I want to say they were bigger because he had his he had his team. Alva had his own team, and it, yeah, it was it was a big how do you do. But um, the film itself, and by the way, yeah, you're you're, you're correct. Uh, I, I want to say it was it was Tommy who was doing Christian Slater's like, you know, the more high flying stuff, you know, the the flips and stuff. Probably probably did probably especially that that scene at the end where towards the end in the third act where he flies through the picture window off of that. Oh yeah, yeah, that was definitely Tommy. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. I know the freeway stunt was done by Mike, uh, Mike, Mike, Mike. I can't remember his last name. Mike something. Um, they pulled in a lot of different guys mm-hmm. to do this. And you know, when I was watching this, actually, <laughs> this is so stupid. It's it's so me. I started to tear up because I was thinking, I was talking to Brian, and I'm like, you know, I'm so proud of Tony Hawk. And here I go again, Jesus Christ. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so oh. proud of him because how many times do you think he was told as a kid, you're never going to make anything of yourself on that skateboard? 
Well, well, never because his father. Uh... Well, I, mean, I don't mean by his parents, because clearly, I mean, they're you know, they put a lot of money into him. But I mean the, but I mean just in general, like teachers or whatever who, uh, you know, he had to hear it. I mean, whenever somebody does something like that, they they hear that a lot. And it's like, you shouldn't be wasting your time, you know. Oh. But, I mean, of course, from an early age, he was already kicking ass. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's just that's the kind of thing that I'm always really proud of when people do really successful at something that they love doing. So, good on him. Good. And he's almost 50. Yeah, you, you wouldn't know it. He's pretty, uh, pretty healthy looking, you know. Um not oh, that there's was... anything wrong with being almost 50, Gary. Jeez. No, honey. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm age racist. I'm not, and I really I'm ha- not, I really hate Clearly, Latin- I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I really, <laughs> I really hate Latinas, too, and lesbians. You know, so there's that, too. <laughs> Fucking bitches, man. <laughs> you bet. And it, it was um, Mike McGill, by the way, Jamie. Oh, I did. knew it was an M something okay <laughs> and he's the one that also does the, the stunt work at the end of the movie in the in the construction area oh okay like uh the little the glamour shots at the end yes but poor uh poor rodney mullen who who I, i'm sure this this had to be rodney mullen when he when he goes to go gleam the cube when he goes to go by himself to go skate and he's doing all those things off of the board and stuff but that's that's stuff that rodney mullen invented in Poor Rodney Mullen had to wear a wig during that scene. You could tell that it was <laughs> yeah, a wig. You can. It's like yeah, yeah, it was pretty sad. <laughs> oh, but yeah, Christian Slater was at this point in his career where he wasn't. I don't think I think Heather's May came out the same year, but a little later, maybe. I don't know, but uh, I want to say they're both eighty nine. If Heather's was if, if Heather's was eighty eight, I'd be very surprised because. He was def- I thought Heather's was 88, but I could be making that up. Because he was right to that Christian Slater, you know, tipping point where he was almost Jack Nicholson, but not quite yet, you know? Right. <laughs> where he did that. Have you ever noticed how many times he in movies he does that, like, arm spread, head down thing when he talks? Like, uh, you know, oh, yeah. He wants to get I was gonna, Okay, thank you. I was going to say, it's not a very good description, but if you know what I'm talking about, then you know what I'm oh, talking about. Oh, yeah, he about. did that, what, I, I think every other scene in Heather's? Yes, 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 yes. He wants to get his point across. I understand, you know. <laughs> okay, Heather's was 89. Oh, my gosh. Um, I guess Asian people really love oldies music because the, the bad guy, of course, like I mentioned, <laughs> was uh, in The Karate Kid 2 as well, and they were sock hopping their asses up in that movie. <laughs> and, and this one you get, I, I'm, I don't know which language, I, I imagine it's some kind of Vietnamese language. I don't know what language they speak. I imagine they have their own dialect. But uh, singing in Asian language, uh, oldies, never can say goodbye. I know the song, I know the, I know the rhythm, but you know, it's obviously a different language. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it's it's kind of strange, but we were still in that 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 same area where, where communism was a thing. So I guess they had to throw the thing about the Nam stuff in this movie, which was played uh, a part in this movie, but I, not a major part in my opinion. It got his brother killed because he found out too much and yada 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 and that that yeah you know, it's, it's not necessary in the film it's just like it, it took away from the skating like you guys say but it was necessary to get the plot across for him to have a oh, purpose dude. to go find something and you know whatever 
Yeah, but think about it, man. You you had movies like Casualties of War and Born in the Fourth of July that came out in 1988, Good Morning of America, or Good Morning Vietnam, 1987, Full Metal Jacket. I mean, at that time, oh, Hamburger Hill even. So you, know, you have all these movies that were uh, Vietnam War movies. You know what's a dumb film about communism we can't get enough of? Little Nikita, mm. Little Nikita. I can't get enough of oh, for some reason. Man, I actually that, really like that. That's a good one. It's really good. I mean, River Phoenix, Sydney Poitier, come on. Oh, totally. I'll have to watch it again. <laughs> I love that movie. Um, but yeah, the skating stuff is, is, is the star of this film. Like Christian Slater, not so much because he's not doing so much of the skating, as we mentioned. But um, he, he much like when I, talked to, uh, when I talked to Ralph Macchio, and I asked him what was it like working on Crossroads. He says they they taught me how to fake playing that guitar real good. I was like, I get it, man, I get it. You know, <laughs> it's, it's just um, they taught Christian Slater how to fake ride that skateboard real good in the scenes that he <laughs> that he was necessary to do, and they had the the right men for the job to teach him how to do that. So the fact that the Bones Brigade were involved in this film and uh, really happy to do it apparently because I you, you can. I'm gonna give you guys just if I didn't give it to you already the the Bones Brigade uh, documentary, which is really great. Um, they're really proud to work on this film. They're proud of the work they did in this film too. And uh, Stephen Bauer is the all, 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 always consummate Stephen Bauer, who you guys may know from Scarface. And if, mm-hmm. you, if you guys watch Ray Donovan, he's really great in that great in that TV show. Um, he plays your classic '80s angry cop. You know, stop looking for shit, kid. You ain't gonna find it, kind of deal. But I'll tell you everything you need to know because you're part of the family. That's what cops do. You know, no. Cops wouldn't do yeah. that, you know. And then we always hang out with you at the end once everything is solved. <laughs> but, I mean, which is, you know, that's really, he gave him a lot of time considering he's the only cop in Orange County. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially Orange County. I really wanted to see, well, yeah, I really wanted to see his angry captain. This movie needed an angry captain scene. <laughs> God damn it, Lucero, did you get those meth heads yet? No, I'm busy with the arson and the, the car bombs and these filthy skateboarding kids bloodying up some dude's pool and <laughs> god damn it. I do love the scene where they have the two Vietnamese guys in custody and they're talking amongst themselves and they don't know and we have already been introduced to the blonde cop who speaks Vietnamese. Yes. And so they don't know that and they just basically give away everything they need, they need to give away, and then he responds to them. The look on their faces is so great. The oh, other guy yeah. clocks the other guy in the back of the head, like, dumbass, you know? <laughs> just, that would, that to me was a very cute moment. I mean, just an expected moment for a movie well, like this. I mean, this, the, but I the like way it. that they introduced the, the blonde-haired uh, Vietnamese speaker, you knew that had to come into play or they would not have made such a big deal out of it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think one real gaping point of this film nobody's mentioned yet, and I know why he was he was scamming on his his dead brother's girlfriend, but the way he went about it, he was like leading her on so hard, and like every once in a while, then all of a sudden when things start to get serious, he let it get serious, which was like the not right, not the right thing to do, if your only motivation was to find your brother's killer, but not scam on a squirrel while he was at it, and uh, well, you know. But you got to do what you got to like do 16. to solve a murder. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Officer Chekhov. That's what we called him. <laughs> the blind guy. 
great time. Uh, Christian Slater had great hair in this movie, and a, <laughs> a, a great Elvis Presley T-shirt, which I thought was. I love awesome. that T-shirt. I love that Elvis T. See, great wardrobe and great hair. Kind of like John Cryer in Superman Four, which is not a good movie, but John Cryer's wardrobe is uh, it's on point, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else? Yeah, Ed Lauder, who I've seen in tons of stuff, plays his dad. I thought, yeah, you play your your typical, you know, I'm grieving, but yeah, I I tend to understand my son even more, even though I'm screaming at him on this video cassette. Come on, man, can't you get to a fucking frisbee? You darken the room and you walk in. Whatever the fuck he says to him, like, yeah, this is really sad. But all of a sudden, hey, he's dead. We can be closer now, Dad. Come on, give me a hug. That was really strange to me. You're like, yeah, yeah. Like I said, it just Ed Lauder. What I mean, he was just part of the background. It. Even when he's in bit roles, he usually adds something in. Like I said, he was just background in this movie. They could have they could have put anybody in that role. Yeah. It was good to see him, though. It wasn't really about him, though. Uh, Yabo, best friend you could have. Has an awesome bedroom in a, in a, in a bunker with, with a half pipe. And he'll build you a skate deck that's almost indestructible, like nobody's business. And, uh, and clearly his parents let him do whatever he wants. Because their swimming pool was empty and graffitied to fuck. So, like, his parents are clearly very, yeah, do whatever you want, which is, you know, kind of cool for him. I mean, he had a... How many parents a... do you know who would let their kids live in their bomb shelter? Mm, I don't know. It's pretty awesome, though. I, yeah. I've been, I was always jealous of Yabo's room, even as a kid. <laughs> um, Yabo's mom, don't crush her flowers or whatever, whatever flowers she mentioned that she had, you know. Brian, come in, but don't crush my flowers, you know. Um... Yeah, great, great third act of this film, you know, again, utilized the Bones Brigade in every facet because he wasn't doing all that skating himself. And Tony Hawk has a lot of telephones, which proves that this is so 80s, it's not even funny because they didn't have call waiting, so he had like five phones and couldn't figure out which one was ringing. Yeah. And, and thought he wanted a pizza at 7 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, he had lines in this movie. Well, at least a couple. And, uh, oh. Yeah, it's just a good time. It's it's a slice of of eighties gold, of, of uh you know skating kind of making a comeback now. And I, I, I it's gonna sound like a weird thing, but I'm kind of glad that Lil Wayne kind of brought it up because you see a lot more African American skaters now, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because it was pretty much whitewashed with with uh, Hispanics and, and and white folks, especially back in these days. You know, because little California vibe, and uh. Yeah, I'm not necessarily mad about that. Just uh, go go low lane on that facet, and nothing nothing else. But uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, that's my schmeal. Uh Jamie, got anything else you want to say about it? Um. Mm, no, I mean, <laughs> no. I just had a really good time watching again. I like I said, I do wish that. Um, I do wish that there was a little more skating in it just because that's what I came for. But uh, it was still a fun movie, a very 80s movie and kind of, you know, cool that it's at the end of the 80s. Like it's it pretty much culminated everything we'd had in that decade. And when people talk about how like, you know, oh, if you like 80s movies, it's just nostalgia talking. No, you know, it's really not. I mean. Even a movie where there was murder of a teenager involved, it was still kind of goofy and fun. And that kind of was like, things just weren't nihilistic. 
back then like they are now. You know, everything had a very different tone to it, had a very different feel to it. And, you know, you had things like the Bones Brigade who would show up in a movie, which is cool, which to me is like right along the same lines as like the Rocksteady crew being in Flashdance. Um, I just love shit like that, you know, <laughs> when um, it, yeah, I don't know, made me happy. So, Fair. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say, or am I rating it Yeah, now? we're doing rating now, too. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm going to say, I mean, I got to knock off a little just because, like I said, like a hundred times, I wish there was more skating, but I'm still going to give it like an eight. Good. Pirates. All right. Well, um, yeah, this was, it. this is still a fun movie for me it was fun to watch um even though some of the skating that they show on there you know like kids are doing it you're like yeah no um but you know it it reminds me of the stupidity of my youth and the things i did and um oh and and just as a side note i want a longboard and they say no because I'm 50 and I'm going to break a hip. So um, <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> I'm going to go get my longboard. <laughs> but no, uh, no, I'm going to give this a seven because I, I, I enjoyed it and it was fun to watch. But like Jamie, you know, it would have been more fun with more skate. Cool. Suzanne. Oh, it's your rating. I'm sorry, uh, Iris. A seven. Oh, seven. I'm sorry. I missed it. Uh, Suzanne. I'm glad I actually sat down and watched this movie. There, it was it was very eighties. I I liked a lot of things. I you guys talked about the skating. Yeah, I wish there was more skating. I loved seeing Tony Hawk that yeah. young. It's hard to believe he was that young. I'm so used to seeing him now, but I I, I really did enjoy the movie. So I'm sitting at like a six and a half. Fair enough. Um, me, I, I still. Surprisingly, enjoy the hell out of this movie. There's a lot of a lot of these films like this have not stood the test of time. I mean, you you put this up against up against Thrash, and and although I love Thrash, and I, I have a, when I, when I picked the the picture for Robert Russell off the table, it was the one from Thrash, and he was he he wrote all over. It. I love it. I, I think I'll take a picture of it and send it to you guys. And um, it's it's good, but uh, it's, it's not it's not. Yeah, I know you like him. I know you do. Uh, <laughs> daggers for life, baby. But um, <laughs> yeah, thrashing is good, but it's not. It's not doesn't it take itself seriously like this film, which I think needed it because you know that film is all about Josh Brolin scamming on his sister in that movie, and he don't like that man. But uh, we'll do that one day, and probably make Suzanne probably choke her to the thing. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> I give it eight out of ten. It's 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 not perfect. It's by any means, but it 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 utilized um the skate culture of the time pretty well, I thought. And that, that's important for a film like this. And, uh, yeah, that's it for me. That's it for this one. And we'll be right back with, uh, the film that leaves, uh, Suzanne foaming at the mouth, I'm sure. It's Solar Babies. Right after this. Circle K and I did it, now they boil us all my walk, but that's a JFA. 
Welcome to Hello, This is the Doom Show. I am Richard. And I hate the burning. Shh, who are you? Speak. <laughs> and I'm Brad. She came in and said, bark, bark, bark. <laughs> And he said, bark, bark, bark. And she said, bark, 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 bark. That's what I got. One is the Suspiria boner. The other is the Inferno boner. <laughs> which, anyway. Which one is crying? <laughs> The boner of tears. <laughs> Hello, this is the Doomed Show. Is available on Hello Doomed Show. Podomatic. Com and Doomed Movie Thon. Com. Hello, hello. This is the Doomed Show. Richard, Brad, Jeffrey, Nava. streams, covered the lakes, and even the oceans, so no water could evaporate into the air. They caused the drought so they can control our lives. You can't beat them. Protectorate visionaries eventually planned a totally altered Earth, and even an altered solar system. Why not genetically alter humans to function perfectly in a perfectly restructured world? Conditioned us here to be so afraid. There has got to be a place to go. From a distant star, a powerful force will come to Earth. They call this force Bodai. Where's the sphere? They took it to the Protectorate Aqua Bunker. It's where they control the water. Jason, they're gonna destroy it. If we go, we're not coming back. We're gonna get Bodai. It's unanimous. We go. Solar Babies from 1986, uh, cheapo plot synopsis, is this, in a post-apocalyptic future ruled by the military, a group of renegade teenage orphans find a legendary orb, Bodai, that can supposedly bring rain back to a dried-up earth. Yeah, if you live in a wasteland. Uh, this is this has an all-star cast of uh, 80s favorites. Uh, Richard Jordan plays your, your, uh, your boss, Grok. Uh, Jamie Gertz as Tara, Jason Patrick as Jason, Lucas Haas as Daniel, James Legros as Metron, Peter DeLuise as Tug, Adrian Pastar as Darstar, 
Sarah Douglas as Chandra, Charles Durning as the Warden, Terrence Mann, Johnny Steele himself as Ivor, and a, a cast of some other folks. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, I, I love this movie, and I, I will get into it, I'm sure, but I, <laughs> about how much I love this movie, and I shouldn't. But um, I'm going to ask... Uh, I'm going to ask Suzanne what she thought of it. I really didn't like this movie at all. And that's fine. Explain. Um, okay, there was a point in time that this was on HBO several times a day, every day, for about six years. I avoided this movie like the plague. I'm like, I, I turned it on a few times. I'm like, no, I just can't do it. And it's HBO's fault. <laughs> and I mean, let's it's it's not really my type of movie. I mean, I like all kinds of movies. Don't get me wrong, but this is just in that area of things that I'm just not that into. I just just not. But at least let me go into a little bit. I after watching the first few minutes and having, you know, the renegade skateball game going on that got busted up because the 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 warden's team was losing. I was expecting some some royal rumble game at the end, and they did not give me that. So I'm very mad at them for that. I'm sorry. I felt I the I did shed a tear when Darstar's owl got killed by the blonde fuck. That made me sad. I mean, not, but when they you mean not Val Kilmer. <laughs> yeah, not Val Kilmer. <laughs> And when they they went to Adrian Pasgar, and I'm like, oh my god, how many times did you watch that commercial with the Indian? Because that's all I saw. Because he had like the braids and stuff, and the tear rolling down his cheek, and I'm like, seriously? But man, you got to give Adrian credit for that chin. That is the most '80s chin ever. Yeah, the sexy Padawan braids in his hair too, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, but he was just like the he was your standard dark and brooding just character. And I just I, I, I don't know. It's like everything was so. Oh, God, I'm trying to find the right word for this. It was just stereotypical. Every character was a stereotype of every other character from every 80s movie ever made up to that point. And I just didn't, there was just nothing here that I liked. It was the same thing. I I truly enjoyed Gleaming the Cube. I just want to say that. For me, this just this just wasn't my type of movie. It was that kind of, I like dystopian future movies, but this was like the, the candy corn dystopian future where, you know, good is always going to win. And, you know, they're the bad guys, but the bad guys, they, they could have been a lot better. There could have been, you know, some real peril. And I, when I saw them skating down the hill as they were running away to go find the, the kid, and I looked at my husband, I'm like, 80s montage, montage music, and cued the, the montage music. It's like I've seen 80s movies before. But like, this is just not my, my, my type of movies, so... I'm sure that there's you, you'll have a lot better to say about it, but it's just not my thing. Well, I'm gonna be extra subjective, but I'll, <laughs> I'll kick it to Jamie, and I'll ask her. Uh, she didn't actually finish the movie. She told me, you know, before. Nope. But how, what did you think of what you saw? 
I fully admit, well, if I thought much of it, I probably would have finished it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, well, the way you were, the I, way you know, were talking, you just never went back to it by accident. But uh, Well, no, no, no. I said I didn't. I had to stop when I did, and I never made the time oh, to go back to it. That's cold, I, girl. It's cold. It, it, was not, it was not priority one. I just... Because I, look, I'm very selective about my dystopian future films, and there I don't like every one of them. I'm, uh, there are honestly very few that I do, because it's all about how you handle it. I prefer futuristic films from, like, the 60s or the 70s versus what we got in the 80s on the whole. Now, I mean, there are exceptions, of course, but on the whole, I'm just not a big fan of of 80s futuristic films. I don't know, or just the way it was depicted. I don't know. It just, it's all the same. It's so just bland. I just don't care. I I thought it was interesting when Jamie Gertz was reading from the book about how, you know, things used to be, like, you know, with the thunderstorms and everything, and then they hear the thunder, and then it starts raining, and I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. And that was pretty much it. I... (laughs) I I don't know. I just uh, didn't really care, and it just didn't grab me. So I'm sorry I didn't finish my assignment. <laughs> That's okay. They'll, they'll, they'll be the merits later. Trust me. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm just I don't know. I'm at that point where I'm just kind of too old to force myself <laughs> to watch things I don't have to, or that I I guess I have to, but. I, <sighs> I just I'm, I just was like the opposite of enjoying it. So it just I usually I can kind of make myself do it. This time I just couldn't. So I just I had to I had to when I when I stopped I had every intention of going back because I just I had to stop. And then I was like okay I'll just go back and pick it up later. And it just I never really had the time when I could have made the time. I was just like uh, I don't want to do it. I'd rather like I don't know poke something in my eye or uh, set something on fire or, you know, well, my ch- I don't know. Well, my child is, stare at the wall. Well, my child <laughs> is, is penance. I sentence you to ten yoga hosers and five giant gila monsters. Okay? Oh, yay! He like country best. Beware! <laughs> I love the giant gila monster. I'm okay with that. Yes, indeed. <laughs> What'd you think, Iris? Well, um... <laughs> Solar Babies. I got to see this in the movie theater. And um, I have to say that as a 17-year-old, I enjoyed it a lot more than, than now. <laughs> you know, um, seeing a lot of the, the folks that I was just so used to seeing in so many movies, you know, um, with oh what's her face um jamie gertz and the cast was really good i was was kind of excited at the cast oh peter deluise and sarah douglas uh charles durning richard jordan i mean i i saw these people constantly in a lot of the sci-fi movies that i watched you know in the theater all the time but this one um revisiting it just just didn't do it for me i i don't know i i guess maybe as a kid i enjoyed it because it was something that i kept watching i mean you know 
Flash Gordon was out at the time, Blade Runner in the early 80s, and it's just something that, I guess it was just the genre that everybody wanted to watch back then, but I don't know, it just didn't do anything for me this time. It was cute to see Lucas Haas as such a little itty-bitty guy, and, you know, him and his little skates, it was so cute. Um, But besides that, it, it seems like it was like, seen it <laughs> you know um there was really nothing that really wowed me of the whole thing uh not even the um not even the roles and i really i don't know in a lot of these dystopian movies i usually find this one character that i can either identify with or i get emotionally invested with i just didn't do that with any of these characters so yeah i, I was not impressed with it very much uh yeah, especially, I guess maybe seeing of uh, the uh, the evolution of a lot of these these dystopian movies, and <clears throat> I kind of like what Jamie said uh, about the nineteen sixties nineteen seventy movies. That dystopian um, culture society movies have something interesting because they they didn't have that. You know, in those movies, you were you were fucked. That was it. You were just fucked. I mean, think of Soylent Green, um, mm-hmm. Planet of the Apes, or any of the ape movies. Uh, besides the funny stuff, uh, like uh, Eddie, not Eddie, but Woody Allen's uh, Sleeper. But anything that was from the 70s, I mean, even one of the movies that we're going to be talking about next, you know, you were just screwed. If you did not, if you were not part of the elite well, you just might as well just curl up and die. So uh, with the 80s, it was there were some movies that were like that. But this one, it was just kind of like... Uh, it should have been a sword and sandal movie, I think is what it should have been. Because of that fairy tale type of feel that this had. And the fairy, ty- fairy tale type of ending. Especially when they're like... <gasps> We'll always, he'll always be here with us. We'll always carry a part of him. I was like, groan. That was that that Dungeons and Dragons ending, Jamie. Exactly. Thank you. Okay. Okay. He will always be here with us. Um. So yeah, I, I just wasn't impressed with this one. Sorry. No, I think I apologize. I, I, I watched it with a critical eye this time around, and. I still, I still dig it. I dig the, I dig the, the cool young cast, and but then you, you, you see stuff like you know that that Sarah Douglas is an actress I love so much, but she always plays that 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 sidekick, uh, second in command, evil evil doer. I mean, she she does she's done it in so many movies. I mean, she's done it where she plays. Uh, I forget her character's name in Superman two, but uh, number two to Zod. She plays them. I'll tell you what, I would never kick her to the side. Oh, no, I would never. No, she, she's still, I don't know how she looks now, but she's pretty smoking hot back in these days. What else was she the, the number two in, uh, oh, Beastmaster 2? Uh, Flash Gordon. That one too. Yeah, she, she plays the number two uh, henchman in, in a lot of films, and that's not really fair. I think she always had a pretty powerful presence. Um, I, I got to bring up some stuff that's bothering about this film. Lucas Haas plays a character named Daniel in this film who's deaf, but he, he, he gets his hearing back because of this, this orb, this Bodai you know, entity 
But he's wearing this helmet that's not like the other helmets the other kids are wearing in this film. As a with he might he might fall on his head like a, he's some kind of special needs child helmet. <laughs> so just just because he's deaf means he's got to wear this special helmet, and I, I that's kind of bothersome considering you know we were living in a time where I, this is going to sound really obscene that these people were more celebrated than ever. Because you had stuff like the very special episodes of like sitcoms, like The Facts of Life, where I think Natalie had a spe- uh, a friend with Down syndrome or something, and there there was there's other shows like that 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 they brought it up and it was more prevalent than well, ever. Blair's cousin Jerry, oh, yeah, Jerry. used to was that the one? Uh, Jerry used to come and she was the comedian yes. who had um, MS. MS. I haven't watched yeah. it in so long. I forgot who's who she was related to. But um, yeah, he was wearing a helmet like like you know the, those some of those people wear, and like he's not special needs; he's just deaf, and you know, and that's strange. And he can actually hear with his with his special headphones, you know, which is totally nineteen eighties. So okay, why would he need this helmet for? It was very strange. Well, when he when they were running through being chased, and the whole city was coming apart, he drops the bag with Bodie. But hangs on to his helmet. <laughs> well, you need that helmet apparently because he's slightly retarded. So I, I was like, "What? You've never put the helmet on, and you drop the bag that has like the most important thing in the universe in it, dude? What the fuck?" Uh, <laughs> yeah, Jamie Gertz. I'm sorry. It's okay. Jamie Gertz always hot and everything. I mean. I didn't watch every se- every episode of that Still Standing show because it was a great show. I watched it because Jamie Gertz was still hot on it, and I thought it was a great show. Was I love that pretty, show. Pretty funny I too. I liked it too. Yeah, yeah. And, but let me just tell you: you ever want to make me watch Jason Patrick and Jamie Gertz and something? Make me watch Lost Boys. Oh, we'll, please. We'll do it eventually. We'll do it eventually. <laughs> I have a whole plan for Lost Boys, and I'll tell you about it after the show. Okay, you, you, you'll like it. Okay, um, they, they broke a lot of. This this film has a lot of '80s tropes that I forgot to mention. Claude Brooks is an actor who plays a uh, their their sentient uh, black solar baby um, rabbit in this movie. He does the beatboxing and breakdance and thing with the orb in this movie, which is kind of there because it's eight, it's 1986 and they let him do all this crazy beatboxing and uh, breakdancing. Electric stuff. boogaloo. There you go. Yes. Uh, the skateball stuff was, was there, but it wasn't, it, it was kind of like something they, I don't know, something they did for recreation, I guess, to keep the kids at bay or something, because they had that weird open skate scene to, to, to where they were showing all these propaganda films there in it or something, it was like a weird, a weird dance club or something for Nazis. I, 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 no, well, no, it was to recruit kids and get them, uh, shaped up for, uh, the proctorate. <laughs> yes. Uh, Charles Durning just show, collected a paycheck in this movie, just watering his plant. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of people just collecting checks in this movie. Although I do I do love Terrence Mann and almost everything I've seen him in. I mentioned Johnny Steele. If you don't know what that is, go watch Critters right now because he's got the power of the night and the streets are calling. Uh, he plays a, a, again, a second-in-command guy of this place where Darstar goes to bring the orb to who I think is probably one of the best characters in this whole film, but you don't see him throughout the whole film. He kind of gets lost in the shuffle towards the end, or I think that's a mistake that they didn't keep Darstar around, because he was uh, 
Maybe they didn't want to outshine Jason Patrick. I'm guessing that's the reason why they didn't keep Darstar in the script for too long. Because he was a much cooler character. Uh, Richard Jordan, good consummate uh, bad guy in this movie. Just a bastard for, for no reason. Gotta breed these orphans for battle, you know, and make them dig big holes. And, uh, yeah. There, there's, there's, there's lots to love. I, I love the, the, the skating stunts, you know, the whole let's swing each other around and jump over this giant gap in the road and them going down the hill on the tires. That was a lot of fun to watch, even even now, even, as, even more as a kid. Um, I love films where there's giant robots or giant computers for no reason, and apparently Sarah Douglas's character built this giant robot that could identify anything and, and know how to kill it. And I thought that and enjoy doing and, it and enjoy doing it. I just thought that was a little far fetched, but you know what? It's the eighties, so you know what? Go kill a robot. I need more killer robots in my life, and uh, there you go. There's that. Um, who was my weakest? Who was my weakest of the weakest solar babies? Uh, <laughs> they'll probably go to the black kid, our rabbit. He's probably the weakest of the weakest solar babies, and um. Pervy uh, bounty hunters just just chasing the kids, and I'm pretty sure Wanda raped Jamie Gertz when she came skating by in her her Arabian sash and stuff, spraying the water all over the place, you know? Because water, water gets these guys hot in more ways than one. All in all, I, I, I don't think it sucks. I think, I think it, it fits. It's, it's definitely your popcorn dystopia movie as far as let's get a bunch of young kids in this movie and It'll sell, but apparently did not sell because Mel Brooks was the producer on this film. And if you look for the interview that he had with uh, I think Slash Films, he just he just describes the, the the hectic production schedule and their consummate need for more money. And I think it cost twenty five million, but it made like two with the box office. But he uh, he he mentioned during the interview that after all these years he finally turned a profit on solar babies so there there's there, there's that that it had that big enough cult following that solar babies finally made money for him and uh go mel brooks yay and uh that's my spiel it's 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 a it's an it's an 80s movie through and through with some some drought and let's free the water cohagen let the people have the air you know that kind of deal you know but they yeah. Get the, get the water going on. And, uh, yeah, dancing in the water to Smokey Robinson. Which, again, much like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, that Smokey Robinson song that they paid all that money for just plays throughout the entire film. And you either like it or you don't like it. I could do without it. But it works in the end of the movie where they were doing their freaking synchronized swimming in, in the water, just thinking about Bodai and shit. Like, I wonder if Smokey Robinson really regrets that song. I didn't even know until I was looking at the credits that it was Smokey Robinson. It didn't even sound like him. Well, that's like asking Meatloaf, did he ever, did he ever regret that song that he made for Thrashing? Like, nope, it made me a lot of money. You know, they paid me money to make a song, and I guess they'll work. Damn it! I guess they'll, I guess they'll <laughs> worse than Lana Richie and Dancing on the Ceiling. Oh, that was a big hit for him, but, you know, ain't that stupid. But, uh, here we are. Um, that's it for, for me. I'm going to ask uh, Suzanne anything else she'd like to say about it. What is her rating, 1 to 10? Yeah, I mean, just in my, my final summary, I just I didn't care for any of the characters. There, I mean, from the very beginning, you knew everything was going to have a happy ending. It just, it, it just totally played out that way. I just, I'm, I'm just didn't, didn't care for it. So, 
Uh, my rating for this, a uh, couple of actors in it. Sarah Douglas was fantastic. I love the robot that was programmed to enjoy giving pain. So that's adding another point. Um, I'm at pretty much, I know this is going to sound really shitty, but it's like, it's like a two and a half. Okay, uh, Iris. Well, um, like I said, it just didn't hold the same uh, wow for me as I, as it did when I was a kid and watching it again was, I I, I don't want to say disappointing, but it just, just didn't do anything for me. So I'm going to give it a four. You guys still there? I'm here. Sorry, Jamie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't really feel all that comfortable giving it a rating since I didn't put my time in. But as we're talking, I remembered my best friend wanted to go see this in the theater when it came out. And I was like, no. Like, <laughs> I think she ended up going to see it with somebody else or even like her mom or something. But, but I was like, no, nah, I don't want to. And uh, it looks like I think I made the right call at least for my own taste. So I don't know if I can really give it a rating though, cause I didn't finish it, but based on what my enjoyment level of what I did, I'd say it's probably like a two. Fair enough. Uh, I got to be subjective here and uh, say that I still really like it. I don't love it. There's a lot of flaws in it. Again, special needs helmet. Not sure what the point of that was. It's a little strange. Uh, I could six out of 10 for me. I still hold a, that special place. Mostly Jamie Gertz, but it still holds that special place. Um, yeah, that's it for that one, and we're going to go into one. I say save the the one I think that they're going to enjoy the most last. You see, I think they're going to end on a high note, because uh, that's what we do on this show sometimes. But <laughs> we're going to discuss Rollerball right after this. <laughs>
Hey, did you guys ever notice that podcasts talk about the same movies over and over again? Yeah, as much as I love Friday the 13th, I don't need another show telling me how good it is. Exactly. Same thing goes for Halloween. It's a great movie, but come on, there's other stuff out there. There should be a show that highlights movies that everyone else seems to skip over. Like, oh, I always wanted to talk about Absentia. And I want someone to cover the room. The Skeleton Key's a good one. Then let's just do one. We can call it The ABCs of Hidden Horror, and we'll go through the alphabet talking about our favorite horror flicks that get ignored. Great idea! I know what my first one's gonna be. Join Brian, Dave, and me, Jamie, for the ABCs of Hidden Horror on the Horrorphilia Network, where we might discuss some of your neglected favorites or introduce you to something new. the name. His players come and go, but the champion plays on. You know how the game serves us. It has a definite social purpose. Nations are bankrupt, gone, no poverty, no sickness. Man has accomplished what he'd always craved. Corporate society was an inevitable destiny for good luck. A centuries-old dream. You better do as you're told, Jonathan, I have to say. Don't be here when I come back. You won't be back, Johnny No player is greater than the game itself. It's not a game a man is supposed to grow strong in, Jonathan. you've ordered are classified and have been transcribed and summarized. Well, who summarizes? Zero, of course. He's the world's brain. Does it answer you? Oh, it speaks. <laughs> I'd like, uh, I'd like, uh, some information about corporate decisions, uh, how they're made and who makes them. They're afraid of you, Jonathan. All the way to the top, they are. The game was created to demonstrate the futility of individual game to its work. Game! This wasn't meant to be a game! From 1975. The plot synopsis is this. In a corporate-controlled future, an ultra-violent sport known as Rollerball represents the world, and one of its powerful athletes is out to defy those who want him out of the game. And a whole lot more. But this stars, of course, James Conn, stupid sexy James Conn, as Jonathan E. Uh, John Houseman as Bartholomew, your corporate sleazeball. Maude Adams as Ella. 
John Beck, my favorite character, Boon Pie. Love that guy. I, I weep every time, guys. I'm just letting you know later on in the review it's going to happen, maybe a little bit. Uh, Moses Gunn, uh, Escletus, love that character as well. Whew. There's, where's he at? Ralph Richardson plays, oh yeah, the librarian. That That's uh, that's pretty great. I, I love the librarian character because he has that, that freak out moment that I'll mention during my, my assessment of the film. Uh, there's some other folks in this film, but we're going to get right into this right now. I'm going to ask Iris what she thought of Rollerball, or she thinks of Rollerball. Okay, Rollerball. This I got to see at in the uh, drive-in when it was, I guess, it came out again or made its second round. And, oh my God, I loved this movie. Um, of course, watching it as a kid, it was great. I mean, it was just a lot of movement and gore and blood and James Caan and I would could you not love this movie as more as I got older and the more and more rewatched it I came to realize basically this movie is just Spartacus on skates and when I had that epiphany it just made this movie even more awesome uh, I just love the idea of how you know here is this guy uh, Jonathan and he is this great superstar and then you start to see the game and you see how violent and wicked this game is and how it just turns into this gladiatorial ring and it's just to the death by the end of this movie and it just blows me away every time I watch this and watching it again it 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 just makes me love this movie more and more I, I mean there's not very many of these movies that are out there where every time I watch it, it it just awes me even more and I didn't think I could fall in love with this movie more than I had um, as a kid and as a teenager and, a, and an early adult uh, but um, coming back to it again I God, how I love this movie. The stunt work with the motorcycles is awesome, and the skating is great. Uh, just watching in the arena, and I have a a, a gal, uh, I'd have to say an acquaintance, uh, at work, and she is a roller derby mama. And I've, you know, we've seen a couple of her games, you know, skating around. And she's just this tiny little thing, but damn, she's a tough little bitch. Uh, and, you know, and then seeing this and it's, God, it's just so entertaining. I, I you know, you've got people like uh, Hausman in this, um, of course, James Caan. And just, I wish they would make this into like a video game and, and not the the cheesy video game that we got back in 1997, but just like a real video game where it's, you know, you're skating for your life, and it's just this team, and oh, I don't know, it's, it's just, <sighs> being that I love the Roman culture very much, I think maybe that's what really does it for me, because like I said, when, when I realized it was just like Spartacus on skates, it just made this movie even more awesome for me, so, gee, I don't know, I can keep gushing about the movie if you'd like, um, <laughs> I'm go for it, who cares, right, that's what we're all here for. <laughs> But you know, it, it's just so neat to watch it. It's it's kind of like um, for me, you know, knowing Sonic Green, um, it, it's kind of like this is in the Sonic Green world for me. And uh, Jonathan is, you know, 
he's part of that that group of people that are looked up to and he's being told you know you need to retire and he's like why and they take his family away and all of a sudden they give him back the family to his family to convince him that he does not want to keep on you need to retire and you know a lot of people say, well, it's because of the the reason why they wanted him to retire is because he was getting too big and the individuality. and But what I think is, is that the people were starting to create a hero. And the basically the corporate state cannot mm-hmm. afford to have anybody become a hero because the corporate state is what feeds you, what gives you food, basically what gives you life, it gives you a name. So if all of a sudden corporate has this individual that can be looked up to and everybody goes, I want to be just just like him instead of I want to be just like everybody else, you fuck up the system. So I think that is what um, corporate, why corporate wanted him gone. They want, you know, you're, you're getting too big for your britches, buddy. We don't like you anymore, so you need to retire. And he's like, no, fuck you. I'm not retiring. And just the ending just is so great because, you know, first the crowd's totally into it. And then just as it starts getting just more cutthroat and cutthroat, a hush comes over the crowd at the very end. And instead of, you know, driving that ball into that guy's face, he silently goes over to the to the ring or to the hole, drops it in. You get the. Boop. Does anybody wish he had tweaked his nose? Oh my god, that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's over, you know. And I think it, it, it's also kind of like it shows that you know, it shows corporate, you're over, you're done, because you know I I'm, I'm you know I did this, so everybody else is going to see that they can do this too. So, yes, corporate is done. It's over for them. And they realize that because Hausman, like books, he takes off. He's like, oh, he hauls ass out of there. So, yeah, this movie is just, I don't know, it's amazing to me. And I could probably sit and watch it again a million times. I don't know. But there you go. Okay, Suzanne. I truly love this movie. I can't even begin to tell you how often... I watch it and I even tracked down the short story last night. They're actually the book of short stories that this is in. Everything else sucks, but I just want to read the rollerball murders. That's all. But what I find incredibly satisfying and scary at the same time is how it's, it's relative now. You know, corporations own the news. They pretty much are controlling what you see and hear. And this movie just is very, very blatant about the fact that individual individuality is looked down upon. They will take things away from you to bring you down and to kill your personality. You are part of a machine you're a cog and it just still like i said it's just still very very relevant today if not more so i and this was like i said 70s sexy james con you just can't get enough of that 
You really can, at least in my opinion. And I... Well, you're not wrong. Oh, I know I'm not wrong. I mean, hell, one of my friends admitted that he man crushes on 70s James Conn. Sonny was always my favorite 70s James Conn. But Jonathan, very, very close. Yeah, I don't think I've ever known a man who hasn't at some point. Because, I mean, he's just a man's man. And they don't mm-hmm. make man's men anymore. Everything is... every Most guys are just kind of wussies. Yeah. There's just that just doesn't. Their skinny jeans and their gelled hair. Yeah, that. <laughs> fuck that. Well, James. Con- I want to do James. Con- James Con related. There's a reason why we can't watch Brian's song with women. It's okay. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but I do. I I could go on for hours. I'm so happy that I found a copy of the book with the short story in it. I I'm just not gonna. I, Iris said a lot. I'm. She covered a lot of things that I that I would have said. I love this movie. There. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh no no no! I it. We all have. This is just one of those movies that I love, and I love a lot. JJ, tell us all about it, girl. Okay. Well. Love it. I can't. I know. <laughs> I can't be a voice of dissent here because there just is no reason for it. I There are so many things I do love about it. I love that this film takes place in 2018, uh, which is, I mean, on one hand, you look around and you're like, well, not exactly. But then on the other hand, you look around, and you're like, huh. Um, and you're right, uh, Suzanne, about corporations owning everything i mean nobody had no venue has like a real name anymore everything is like the verizon something or other and the coca-cola something or other and that and um it's just i mean like recently there's this um concert venue here and it's been freedom hill forever forever brian used to go to concerts there when he was a teenager and recently, just like last week, we drove by it. And he's like, what the fuck? And now it's like the the Michigan Lottery Amphitheater. Because the Michigan Lottery paid $900,000 to have their name put on it or something like that. I mean, it's just, um, it's well, so I, depressing. huh? I can understand that because it was Comiskey where the White Sox play. Uh-huh. And now it's guaranteed rate field. Oh my God! Well, oh, yeah, God. I mean, stop. One of my friends almost threw up when they announced that. Yeah, when I was uh, when I was a teenager in Lakewood, uh, South Atlanta, where I grew up, they opened up the Lakewood Amphitheater, and it was close enough to my house to where I could go outside. Like I slept outside one night, like in a sleeping bag, so I could hear the Who concert. Nice. Like I, went, I actually saw Stone Temple Pilots there. Did you really? Oh, yeah. Wow. So you were about two miles from where I grew up. Oh, wow. And um, then later on, it was the Coca-Cola Lakewood Amphitheater, but that's not how it started. It started out as just the Lakewood Amphitheater, but everything becomes uh, corporate at some point. And um, between like Verizon and Google uh, and Coca-Cola... <laughs> They're going to own everything in a matter of time. And Disney. Uh, they're going to own everything in a matter of time, including each other. And it's just... Also, I think it's interesting that we're talking about this film on the very day that this whole um, 
controversy broke about the news. Where did Claire. you see the uh, the whole? I forget was it the, not the Spring Hill group. I forget the, the name Claire. of the group. Oh, there you go. Um, when did you see the montage? That was put together of all the different local news stations and them like doing the exact same force force read. Um, and it's just it's kind of scary. Just I mean, look that up. And it's I don't know. It's just interesting when you see it all together like that. But anyway, that's, you know, both sides are freaking out about that today. And so I just think that's kind of an interesting thing. There's a lot of scary shit going on these days. And so. While, you know, you look around and this isn't this isn't the world we live in. There are a lot of ways that parallel. Um, so I find that interesting. I also did a small stint on roller derby. And many years ago, well, not all that many years ago, but a little while back. And uh, so I know I said I couldn't skateboard, but I can roller skate. There's <laughs> so somehow I can do the one, not the other, but I can roller skate. Uh, so that's always fun to watch. I feel like this game kind of influenced Quidditch in a lot Ooh. of ways. It just seems very similar to me. Um, when we were watching this, because Brian really likes this one too. Of the three, this is the one that he was like actually excited to watch. Um, when So when we were watching this, we had some really great conversations about socialism, communism, uh, and about how, you know, uh, his individuality, yes, his like rising above him being notorious, him becoming this hero, something for people to look up to, something to, for them to ascribe to be, sort of breaks down the, the system and it can't maintain. Like the system cannot maintain what it has built if someone reaches up and grabs the brass ring like you can't you can't let that happen and so yeah i mean the whole thing is them trying to force him out him not knowing why they why they want to force him out them not giving him a reason but really it's just basically you're getting too big we can't have this we can't have someone like you uh fuck things up you know because <laughs> you're messing things up for the rest of us and and that's not going to work so that whole thing is, you know, kind of scary. I really like the scene where he's having a conversation, like trying to figure out why they're pushing him out. And it's juxtaposed with the scenes at the party where the people are just blowing up the trees. And it just kind of goes back and forth between him and them. And I'm still not 100% on why it was juxtaposed with a conversation about him being pushed out specifically i do kind of, because i feel like and because and brian and i were talking about that and i like his take on that was that you know you're just um basically this whole thing is leading up to the uh, rolling uh, leading up to rollerball no longer having any rules no longer having any time limit which i don't really know how that would even work um <laughs> you know it's on a game that's based on time did they just knock it down to whoever gets a point first? Is that I, I, is I that how they did it? Knock it down to whoever's last man standing. Last last man standing, right? Um, yeah, okay. So life limit, I guess, versus time limit. Uh, but you know, as this this whole film is basically leading to a point where it's going to be all out violence, and 
you know, and how the the public during the game, you're just watching them eat it up in the beginning. I mean, they're all over it because that's who we are as humans. I mean, that goes way back. And I mean, just to so many different things like Grand Guignol or the, the French loving to watch people get guillotined in the square. Mostly the French. They were, <laughs> they were, really, they were really big on, on bloody murderous things. But, uh, but us as humans, that's who we are. We respond to that sort of thing. We respond to that stimulus. So we have that coming. And then sort of leading up to that, we're kind of seeing this in their, this glee for destruction and how happy they are just to, like, just blow these trees away. I just, I don't know. I thought that was kind of a powerful scene. I love the look of this film. I mean, I, I, it's a beautiful film. I love everything about it. I love how when the skating scenes are are playing out, I love how we get to watch. You know, it's, um, yeah, I mean... There's so many different directions you could go with this if you wanted to. So many different interpretations you could do with it. But uh, what I love most about it is that I think it really inspires conversation. And it definitely did with us. And so we enjoyed the hell out of it for that reason. And then if you don't, if you don't want to talk about it, if you don't want to get that serious about it, you can still really enjoy it just on a surface level. And, you know, fucking James Caan. And John Houseman, who I swear popped out of the womb 90 years old. (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen him look young ever. Anyway, yeah. So I love it. Uh, No surprise here. If you guys heard me on Cinema PsyOps episode of Rollerball, I was on there. And uh, I got a lot of love for this film as well. Um, Yeah, I love the way it's filmed. The the, the Rollerball stuff itself is phenomenal with with the, the cameras they use with the motorcycles and... I love the fact that you know. I love I love Moon Pie so much because the fact you can drop kick somebody in the head and knock them on the ground, the, the swoop, the swoop. I love that shit, man. Um, I love I, James Con is, is plays the role perfectly as kind of like Paul Newman in Slapshot, where he's like this this old guy. Then they're they're waiting for the changing of the guard, but he's not quite ready to quit yet. But in, in this sense, it's a more of a corporate thing because corporations run everything and, and this film apparently you could control your life it could take away your life it could take away your wife apparently as well and uh and um it, it it leads up to a lot of powerful stuff a lot of powerful scenes I love uh his relationship with Moses Gunn nobody mentioned that yet but the, the fact that they, they had these conversations and Moses Gunn Cletus knows that he can only tell him so much he knows he knows what the score is for for the most part, but you can only tell him so much of what's going on and what's going to happen. And as as his friend, yeah, it really it really uh you could tell like you could tell you could always tell the pain in Moses Gunn's face every time. But it, it's extra painful to him in this film that he knows his fate but he can't tell him what his fate is. Which is essentially death in the end of this movie, which which doesn't happen because you wouldn't get that great one of my favorite ending shots ever. It's the opposite of Body Snatchers. We're in the end of Body Snatchers 78. I think it's brilliant that you get silence and nothing else, which we've ever covered that. I'm going to bring that up for sure. I'm sure we're going to cover it one day. But um, the fact that the aliens won, so there's there's no, no emotion, no music. But this thing, it really puts that exclamation point when you hear that, that orchestration just kick in again. Because, you know, obviously... 
the corporation lost the the grip of the people because they're all screaming Jonathan, 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 just screaming from the heavens. And I love the scene where they show the different cities. I'm not sure if they ever show Dallas, but they they show or Houston. I mean, they show the different cities, kind of like Halloween three did, like like the show of the devastation. Like, well, well, there it was silence, but with Rollerball, everybody's cheering for, for Jonathan because he's won. Yeah. He's won, and it just shows that, that, that global hold that this game and this corporation has on the people, and they they, they lost. They, they lost. They lost. The, the, they, they still have the people, but Jonathan now has the people. And, oh, a scene that makes me cry every time I watch it because I know I know it's coming because there's a scene in this film where they have to play the Tokyo team, and of course they're not taking it seriously because they they had the whole scene where they're in there having sexy time, sweaty time in the gym, and Moon Pie is just agging on this 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 Asian coach to try to tell them to beware of their their karate and have keto techniques. If you don't know what have keto is that means it's 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 the martial art of breaking bones. So these guys are technicians that could really hurt you. And Moonpie is talking about... <laughs> I'm not sure if the ganglion's a real thing, but it's that mess of nerves that's a, that's a between your ear and your whatever, and if you hit him in the jaw the right way, it can really fuck him up, and he's trying to talk about all this, and Moonpie meets his demise in the worst fucking possible way, and they literally executed him on the rollerball court, if you've ever seen the film before. Yeah, I felt the same way when... uh. I don't know if you guys watched Sons of Anarchy, but when Opie, Opie died in, in Sons of Anarchy in prison, where the, they, they're holding him down and they, they nail poor Opie in the back of the head with the baseball bat, and you just see these lights go out. And that, that was that was it for Opie on Sons of Anarchy, if you've ever seen it before. Um, the, the part where his wife shows back up again, and you could you can't really tell... Well, it, you can tell that it's kind of a corporate move just to, to play on his emotions and say, hey... Here's your wife. You see, what we did for you. We're giving her back to you in a way, because she she may makes mention that she's married now, and that it really hurts them that she mentions that they have that her and her new fella have a son, but that they're in an open relationship so they could fuck and they do, but off screen so to get too much sexy James kind of action. But the fact that after they spent this time together, he knew it was a bunch of horseshit. But he got he got one last ride out of her, and these videos he was watching the whole film. Of this 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 wife that he thought he loved and he lost and figured out she was just just another pawn and another cog in the machine, he he hit the delete button on her videos and that was very profound to me. That you know what I really don't need this anymore. I'm gonna go out there and just go destroy some people because there's no rules and, and no substitutions. Just destroy on the rollerball court. You get that. You get that devastation and that last rollerball game. To where there's just fire and bodies all over the all over the court, and him and one of the other guys on the team who's who's on the motorcycles, the last one, they're all going for that brass ring right down to the very end. And like I said, that that, that exclamation point, he's, he scores the goal, he won, you know. And it's it's just there's a lot more to it than that, but it's all symbolism of the bigger picture. And he become bigger than the sport, and we don't believe in that in this country right now because if they think they deserve a certain dollar amount, um, they give it to them, or they go elsewhere. And uh, yeah, and this uh, this this thing uh, they'll give you luxury items if you if you play ball, if you will. And rollerball, 
does it in spades with the social commentary and the the violence and it all it's all a really nice stew that all fits really well together and uh that's a uh, that's my bit on it and um I'll ask Jamie anything else you like to say about it and what's your rating one to ten uh I don't know I mean I think I pretty much said a lot I um I did want to mention real quick that when we were talking, or you know, I had mentioned '60s and '70s movies, and Irish threw out some great ones. Uh, another one that I love from the '70s, uh, futuristic film, is Logan's Run. Yep. Um, but that has nothing to do with this movie. I just thought of it. Uh, I uh, yeah, I really love it. I can't really go any lower than a nine. Fair enough, uh, Suzanne. Uh, Iris brought something up and she said it reminded her of Spartacus. The very first uh, rollerball game we see reminded me of the gladiator scene in Ben-Hur when that goes to widescreen and just the thundering hooves, like the thundering sound of the skates. And that just started to come into my mind and I yeah I I can see a lot of the gladi- the gladiator thing now and I just never really put those two together and I just wanted to You mean the new Ben Hur, right? <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, shame on you. <laughs> Jamie, you funny. <laughs> well, they had straps on the back of those motorcycles too for them to literally mm-hmm. ride them like chariots. So Oh god. But for me, um, I never, I very, very, very rarely give out the 10. But this movie is a 10 for me. It still holds up to this day. It scarily holds up. I've enjoyed this movie. Each time I watch it, I enjoy it as much as I did the first time. And I just, new things always jump out at me. And... If this time, thank you, Iris, I've got that gladiator scene from Ben-Hur in my head. So, yeah, this is a straight-up 10. No denying it. Oh, kick it, Iris. What would you think? Uh, what's your final thoughts and rating? Okay, well, on final thoughts, um, I, really, I don't know if I can gush about the movie. Well, I could, but I'm not. Um, but just to mention something on, on the side um there is a book that I read a couple of years ago. It's called Jennifer Government. And basically what this book is about, it's, um, uh, of course, a dystopian society. But in this society, um, it's all about corporate America. It Well, not just corporate America, but just corporate, period. And instead of having last names, you are now your last name is now tied to whatever job you do like i work for providence so i would be iris providence jamie you would be jamie and whatever the restaurant is that you work for and basically or steakhouse <laughs> <That's not> very <laughs> glamorous <laughs> uh, <laughs> well um whoever owns that okay okay <laughs> <laughs> but basically what it is it's that um like, there is a guy, oh, just real quick, uh, there's a guy named Hack Nike. He works for Nike. And basically what he was told was, okay, there is this new shoe that we're going to bring out. I want you to create some terrorist type of um, 
action happening when we give these shoes out, and then that way people are really going to want them. So it's basically how uh, corporate has taken over and controls everything. It controls the news. It controls everything. A complete globalization of, of corporate is basically what it is. So if, if you guys are interested in reading, you know, seeing something like Rollerball, but in, in you know, more of an nth degree, uh, you know, check out Jennifer Government. It's a really, really good read. I, I think it took me two days to read it because it was so good. But anyway, sorry. Back to the movie. <laughs> um, I'm going to give this a 10 because um, this is a, an ultimate go-to amazing movie. I, I can't say enough good things about this. And uh, yeah, I'm going to give it a 10. Um, Suzanne. I went. Oh, you went. I'm sorry. I'm not paying attention. <laughs> I'm lame. I'm here. I uh, I like the film. Never watched the remake because it's fucking terrible. I tried to give it a second chance when I reviewed it for for Court's show, and I will never go back to it ever again. It's got Chris Klein in it, and Rebecca Romaine, and uh, LL Cool J, and Jean Reno is your John Houseman of that film. <laughs> oh, wow. And it's just- yeah, I didn't even know that was a thing. When we went looking for this movie to watch it, I, I almost clicked on that one, and Brian goes, whoa, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing? You're not doing the original, right? And I was like... Yeah, and he's like, "That's the remake," and I was like, "Oh shit!" Okay, yeah, Gary, like he was he was I'll, really scared. I will it. never make you guys watch the Rollerball remake. So there is that. So you know, yeah, Pat watched it and hated it. I mean, like really hated it. And really, Pat likes everything. It's amazing how a film director, I think it's a John McTiernan film, uh, a filmmaker I enjoy could just suck the soul out of a movie like nobody's business. And just make it extreme and make it really stupid. And we did election on the show, if you guys remember that. And we we felt sympathy for Chris Clyde in that movie. And we don't feel sympathy for Chris Clyde in the Rollerball remake at all because he's just fucking terrible. <laughs> and no, just don't don't do it. But Rollerball is a, it's a ten. It, it, it's amazing that a film like this that, that shouldn't work as well as it does, but it's written so fucking well. And it's so fucking relevant today that it has that kind of staying power. It deserves the 10 out of 10. So, gold, gold, gold fucking standard. Fucking pressure me. Gold standard. All right, 10. Go for it, James. I changed, I changed my mind. It's a 10. You changed it? <laughs> it's a 10. Yeah. There. A fucking there. 10. A fucking 10. I didn't, re- I didn't even <laughs> think there was anything really wrong with it. I'm just, you know, 10 is hardcore. But I guess, you know, you're, you're right. It deserves it. <laughs> I'm so scared now. We'll be right back, though, to close out the show and stuff. See you guys soon. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. How peaceful it looks. Your Majesty. Will you destroy this Earth? Destroy it utterly. Send Rick and Penny in wool rocket Ajax. So, just destroy it? That's what Ming said. Don't you ever listen? Well, there's no arguing with Ming. Hail, Hail Ming. Ming. Wait! You see those transmissions on the visual screen? Crow? 
Nightmare on Elm Street? Chud 2? Black Belt Jones? Nightbreed? What's a critter? Oh, I've seen those things. Flash? I guess we could wait a while before the destruction. Yeah, and watch the movies. And talk about them. The Hemming Power Hour. Disobedience to Ming. For now. You can find us at Legion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. iTunes. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. At www. You know what? Just Google it for yourself. Just Google it, you bastages. Helming. Breaking 2? Electric Boogaloo? Samurai Cop? Army of Darkness? Flash Dance? <laughs> <laughs> We might destroy the planet if it's <laughs> Badasses, boobs, and body counts is a weak grindhouse and exploitation cinema. Your three hosts, Mike. It's a quick. <laughs> Thank you. Come again. Not racist at all. Mark. If you bend over and you have what is essentially a pubic cottontail coming out the crack of your ass, you need to do some goddamn grooming. And listener favorite, Iris. I do not have sex with that horse. <laughs> will make you question your own political correctness while laughing at theirs. Episodes drop every Sunday and can be found by searching BB and BC Podcasts via Lipson, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and iHeartRadio. You can also listen to episodes directly from the show's website at badassesboobsandbodycounts.com. Uh, I'm not going to mention Stan Lee again on this episode, but then we do have a couple notable deaths that happened, and in my opinion, uh, television superstar slash wonderkind of the cop drama, uh, Stephen Boschko, uh passed away, I think it was yesterday, as we're recording this. If you guys don't know him, you... Oh, I didn't know that. Well, well, what? Now, now you know. Makes me sad. Yeah. This is the guy that gave us Hill Street Blues and L.A. Law and NYPD Blue and uh, Cop Rock. Cop Rock. Yes, <laughs> Cop Rock, unfortunately. <laughs> but no, he, he was very successful in television. Uh, he uh, I found out later on that he I think he was a writer on another dystopian film that you guys didn't mention, which was Silent Running with Bruce Dern. Uh, he had a credit on that. I noticed when I was looking at his IMDb to see... Because in, in my my day, and I'm sure a lot of your guys' days too, there was two there was two two big Stevens, and that was Stephen Cannell and, St- and Stephen Bochco. Yeah. I was I was more partial to Cannell myself because he made more stuff that I enjoy. But, Me um, too. Yeah, but I can't deny the man's body of work. Plus, he had know? that kick-ass flip-top collar with and the uh, typewriter. <laughs> yes, indeed. Thing, I love that whole thing. That whole little bit. What do you uh, call that thing? Yeah, that, that, that little ending thing to the shows, yes. I can't explain it either, what they call that thing, that your classic sit, ubu, sit, good dog thing, you know? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> yes. Or, grr, arg. Yes. <laughs> if you're a Joss Whedon fan. <laughs> I, I, I am a fan of Joss Whedon's television shows, not so much his movies. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the, he was a, a monster in television. He, he made tons of successful stuff. That a lot of people still enjoy. People still people still think that Hill Street Blues. I've never watched it. It was a little a little bit before my watching time. It came out when I was alive, but I, I didn't watch a lot of it because I was like four and I wasn't watching <laughs> Hill Street Blues. P- 
people who like it tell me it's, it's probably still one of the best comic, I mean, it's one of the best cop shows ever made with Hill Street Blues, and I think that uh, I may give it a shot if it ever comes on Netflix or something, or uh, some accessible was, format. They, they were putting up seasons on Hulu, but of course Hulu, they would put up season two and there's no season one or season five and there's no context, it's all over the place, but I, I, I really wish somebody would just put it out. I think it's on DVD yeah. somewhere, but, um, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll luck out at the pawn shop one day and get all the seasons for dirt cheap. That'd be lovely. Still Whenever I wait on a cop at work, I always tell him, let's be careful out there. <laughs> they leave. And the Did older ones it? always give me like that knowing giggle, you know, they're like, yeah, younger ones. They don't have any idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> so sad. And, uh, of course, um, we're always political sometimes on this show, sometimes. Uh, but she she was a, a giant in, in this aspect. Uh, Winnie, Mandel, Winnie Mandela passed away at 81, I think, today. And uh, she, of course, is the wife of Nelson Mandela, who she worked with him to get that apartheid stuff knocked out, which is a nasty thing to talk about. But she was a huge part of that, and a huge, uh, huge, uh, huge in the politics like that, and... Again, one of those things that I was really young, I didn't pay a ton of attention to, but I, I read about it later, and uh, there's not too many female political figures to speak of like this, but you lose one like this, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty big deal, and uh, apartheid was, was no good, if I remember correctly, as a child, I didn't know, I read about, about, it, about, it, about it later, but I didn't know exactly what apartheid was when apartheid, anti-apartheid was a thing, but um, yeah, big big loss to that community, uh, to uh, the African American community and everybody's community, because she was a she was a big deal. Humanitarians are very important people. I don't know why we don't give a fuck about. I don't know why we give so much of a fuck about the royal family now. But when Princess Di was a thing, she, she was a she was a traveling, helping people, and that was a reason to care about her. But do you really care who Prince Harry's fucking this week? I, I, I don't think you do. But people eat that shit up, and I don't get it. But uh, Winnie Mandela, yeah, we salute you. I, I, I believe we all do, so let's let's go for that. Yeah. But uh, we've reached the pinnacle, the, the end of our show. We're, uh, I'm going to ask uh, Iris to push her stuff. All right, so me. Um, let's see, with Theme Warriors, we're going to get be getting together hopefully this weekend, and we are going to be uh, basically talking about... Um, Turning into creatures, but not werewolves. Um, we've got, I believe... Somebody pick Extro? <laughs> love that movie. <laughs> uh, what, what? Somebody pick Extro? No. we got Guyver. We've got The Island of Dr. Moreau. We've got... And I think Mulberry Street? Yeah. Wait. I know. I love that movie. <laughs> and... Uh, um, Another one I watched in the movie theater. Oh my god, I am so old. Uh, and then let's see. Uh, for BBNBC, we just finished up, of course, Weasels Rip My Flesh. And then we have Aliens on Earth. And that is a um, basically an Italian, you know, alien rock that's going to kill you. All you have to do is really move, but it's a rock and it's going to kill you. I, I, you know. <laughs> If you want to watch a good Italian film like that, go watch Contamination. But we did Alien. that recently. (laughs) But yeah, and you can find uh, me on uh, BBNBC 
podcast.com and uh, let's see Theme Warriors is on horrorphilia.com so look us up there cool Jamie yes well of course I am now a permanent member of the Married with Children podcast those episodes drop every Wednesday so we have a new one coming out and we have just recorded a new episode of ABC's of Hidden Horror that is not Attack of the Colossal Collection. Yay! And that's going to be coming out this week. So I'm very excited about that. Not that I don't like those. I'm just excited you're doing one that's not Colossal. Oh, no. I, I'm I'm excited to get back to something different. You know, just because we've been... It's been... I mean, I've been enjoying doing the Colossal Collection shows for sure. But... Oh. This was super fun. And I gotta say, congratulations to Dave Z. Uh, got full custody of Frankie Z. We're, uh, yes, he did. I'm so happy for him. Very and he excited for you, buddy. Um, that's really the only good way. That, I mean, that's the best outcome for everyone involved. So, mm-hmm. good for him. Um, we have we are recording a new Devour tomorrow night. Yeah. And I'm very excited about that. It's going to be our first episode. With Vanessa and No Dave. Also, I'm doing a guest spot on Short Bus on Wednesday. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm spe- very exciting about that. Johnny spilled hmm. the beans about that one. I'm telling I'll something later maybe about that. <laughs> oh, did he really? Yeah, yes. I'm making them watch The Creeping Terror. There you go. Right. So, um, that should be a really fun show. And I think that might be it. <laughs> if I'm forgetting something, I hope not because I don't know where I would put it. <laughs> this this week was jam packed. Fair enough, uh, Suzanne. I should have a new episode of the NFW dropping tomorrow or Wednesday. I believe it's going to be Fear No Evil. I could be wrong, and that's it. Fair enough. Uh, me myself. This show and the two Jake Venom commentaries, I'm going to start releasing both these shows very soon. I have one in the can and one i got to edit still of the this one you listen to right now. And I think like five two drinks to, to edit and put out. So you might see a good marathon of those coming out all at once, uh, including Worthy Gargantuans. Uh, well, but there was there was a there's a good handful that I forget. She's in there. Uh, there's some good stuff on there, trust me, that creates some good conversation. But uh, the War of the Gargantuas one has uh, Jerry Herring and Don and Nelly on it from uh, Kill the Cast and uh, Don from the, the Horror Mafia, who's coming on, the whole Horror, Horror Mafia crew is coming on this show for a guest spot in a, in a couple of weeks to do Rolling Rolling Vengeance and The Wraith in our Hellbent for Octane episode, so that's going to be a full-on crossover happening. And uh, I, mentioned, I mentioned to Jamie that I was talking to Johnny, because Johnny likes to talk to people, and... It's always good to keep Johnny on a positive note. Uh, Johnny Krug, at, at least, and I'm pretty sure Ricky's down too, is going to come on with us sometime next month to do uh, Transylvania 65,000 and Transylvania Twist, the Jim Wynorski movie. And uh, that should be fun with, with those guys uh, hamming it up with those good spoofy movies. Um, what else? I'm working, I'm working on so much. There's so much great stuff at the Pike that I... Haven't announced that we're doing, but look look for that schedule that I post in the group whenever uh, that pops up. And if you guys would like to be on something, I think we got some pretty good shows coming up. Uh, not just this month, but next month as well. I gotta send Mike White that list, and Mike White is gonna join us for something for the projection booth. And uh, 
Yeah. Good times. It's, it's, it's good. It's good. I'm, I'm feeling good where we're at. And, and I haven't felt this good in a long time that we're, we're on a schedule now. And that now that this goofy holidays are over, I can, and I'm still in a new place, I can get these shows out to you guys fast and furious. Like Reggie delivering the ice cream, goddammit. But, uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. And, uh, it's been a good time on this show. And we'll see you guys. We're Tony uh, Hawk delivering that pizza. We're Tony Hawk <laughs> delivering that goddamn pizza, man. I forget what we're doing next. I, I, I want to say, and I'm not. I'm not going to say it. I'll, I'll announce it in the group. Basically, I, I'm pretty sure I know what it is. But um, please don't let it suck. Oh, it, it may, but it may not. <laughs> there's, there's always well, a chance. I love your honesty. Well, there's always. Uh, a by chance. the way, Villanova just won. Oh, Villanova. Yeah, I saw that. National champions. Yes, guys. Um, yeah, that's it for this one. And always remember here at the Sin Beef Podcast: if you got beef, we've got the grinder. See you guys next time. So what are we doing next week? Well, I didn't want to say for sure on the record. Said, here is the way that I want you to pray and the way to 